Charisma Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher Gardner. This week, we have Owen Benjamin of Unauthorized TV, of the most streaming hours of anybody ever. <laughs> uh, Owen is a master at rhetoric. I have to say, there are few people that have impressed me more with their rhetoric than Owen over the last four years. I've really enjoyed becoming friends with him. My wife and I flew out to see his family last year, and uh, they were so gracious and wonderful hosts. And um, the Bears, the, the whole community that he's cultivated is, uh, has been a real wonder in my life. So I couldn't wait to talk with Owen. We were going to jump into rhetoric, but as always, our, our talks got a little tangential. So we just ran with it. So enjoy the next two hours, and I'll see you on the flip side. Dude, it's a, unlike my my cowlick that is just going off right now. I, I'm gonna go get a haircut tomorrow. Dude, I might just keep growing it out like full Viking. I've heard, you? I've heard, but you know, you kind of admitted to your soft spot yesterday in yesterday's stream, and uh, I'm going to break this to the world because you did it about hour two of your stream yesterday. Do you realize what you admitted? What, about the cookies? No, I'm talking about yesterday's stream. Saturday's stream on the- I don't know. On I mean, I'm in a full state. <laughs> I'm the team, bro. What did I say? You, had, you admitted that the time in your truck going to go to your P.O. box was some of your most valued time. I like it a lot, yeah, even if it's empty. <laughs> <laughs> that, that that's the big reveal for all the trolls out there no matter what owen would find a way to get in his truck at least once a day sometimes i go twice a day it's absurd <laughs> like i just really like that time just in my truck yeah i feel you i, I was laughing with a couple of the bears today because i would say i was like yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna get owen on that i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna reveal that's gonna be the big reveal <laughs> Dude, it's so funny how many people are always looking for big reveals in my life, and I I don't have any. Like I talk about every single thing I do. Yeah, because you <laughs> li you literally spill the beans on yourself all the time. <laughs> like that's why when trolls are like they'll like say stuff, and I'm like, yeah, you heard that from me. Like I'm, I'm like <laughs> like are you doing journalism? Like yeah, I, I did a whole stream about that. You know, whatever they're they're trying to shame me with, I'm like. Yeah, I literally did a whole stream with that as a topic. And they're yeah. just like, I just don't have, did you hear the stream I did yesterday about like how Indians are like suckers for booze and but mm -hmm. whites are suckers for shame? Yes. I just don't have that gene. I'm just like, when they're like, you should feel ashamed. I'm like, but yet I don't. Right. You know? Was that because you had a big brother? Did your big brother like kick the shit out of you? No, I think it's because I have a standard. I'm like, yeah, I'll feel shame if I fail at something I value, but I'm not going to feel shame for like whatever bullshit someone invents because they don't like me, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I'm also uh, like, I have a pretty specific thing I'm doing where I'm like kind of working out of a lot of hellish habit, old habits and, and kind of like trying to grow out of it with a lot of other people. And so revealing stuff about my life is helpful for people. And I know that. So if people are like, 
how dare you share that? I'm just like, it helps. I mean, what else you want me to do? Pretend I'm perfect, mm -hmm. you know? Well, all the best coaches and mentors I ever had, I, I could relate to them. You know, they, yeah. they would yeah. actually like share with me their, their vulnerabilities, you know, and uh, when they were vulnerable and how they were vulnerable. And that always helped me out a ton. Oh yeah, definitely. Cause it, cause if not, it's kind of a lie. Yeah, that's true. Well, let me introduce you. This is the first time I've interviewed you like for, for something that I'm doing. Welcome to the, the BioCharisma podcast. It, you, I know you usually only do live streams here. Here's a pre-recording. I, I won't cut this up at all. I'm going to use it just like a live stream. The, awesome. man, the man, the myth, the legend, Owen Benjamin Smith. Hello. Yeah. The only reason I really like live streams is, uh, I feel like energy is created while you're doing it. It's weird. Like when a lot of people are watching it as it's happening, it's like something happens in the ether, you know? Definitely. Definitely. You start to ride the prana. You, you absolutely ride the prana mm -hmm. dude. And I want to talk to you today about uh location is vibration. I sent you that video. Mm -hmm. I've been cross country skiing a lot, like in clouds. Is that why you're, is that why your hair is so quaffed right now? Well, I just took a bath with hydrogen peroxide. And so I like combed my hair after. So, so now you're cross country skiing, you're, you're, you're tapping into the Davos crowd up on yeah. the, up on the ski slopes. I mean, what's going on with you, bro? The only people I'm comfortable with are tradesmen and trillionaires. <laughs> like I'm not even comfortable with billionaires anymore. I'm like, you guys are a bunch of straight up trash. I either like people that can build a house, you know, drive a truck or people that own the rights to all water. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that works. That totally works because for both, me. Because both groups, I, I figured out what it is because I'm, I'm completely serious. Both groups see past money in a weird way. Mm -hmm. So you have your, your tradesman types that are like, they look at the accomplishment of their task or their art like it, it really is like a beautiful art form to do a lot of the things that these guys are capable of doing like wiring up a house or like you know or, or just like working for your ability to hunt or have a family or to get your truck they're, they're they're past money in a weird way and then you have people that are obsessed with money you know like the finance guys making like millions of dollars but their whole world is like like a weird Nintendo game of getting like tokens. And then you have the, the people that are really, really rich, but they don't care about money either. Like mm -hmm. they're looking at, you know, a lot of them are really, really into, uh, into like, uh, that's why you'll see these extremely rich people do weird shit that you don't even like, like if you looked at a, an uh, animal documentary, it'd be like filmed by Gary Rothschild or something. I'm like, what the hell are they doing? They're like obsessed with swimming with the eels or something. Mm -hmm. like they don't yeah. care not the Rothschilds they're still in the scumbag level but the type of person that's just interested in like you with domes right you know it's like you're not they don't they're not motivated by money and that's one reason why you can either become almost homeless or super rich and it doesn't matter like the people that are doing that don't care you're, and it's you're, so yeah you're describing the difference between rich and wealthy yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, when I met my wife, I told her I'm the most wealthy man she'll ever meet. And what, nice. and when she met me, I literally just had a shack in the middle of the forest. 
true though. But it, it was really true because I really feel that way. Like once you get to a certain level of uh, self-control and resilience, you know you can go into any situation and, and kind of make it happen. And yeah. also, also, it's also having that tether with your creator, you know, knowing, knowing that. I think that really makes a big difference. Yeah, rich people are annoying. Wealth pe wealthy people are awesome. They really are. Yeah. yeah. Like the creditor that me and you, like when we were talking about creditors. Yes. Like some of the wealthiest people I know who own thousands of acres of land in Idaho, they, you, you, they're, it's like they drive old trucks. They love mm -hmm. telling stories. They're really sweet. They like sitting on the porch. They're obsessed with their families. Yep. And then you'll meet these guys driving, you know, like Andrew Tate is the ultimate example of the rich guy. You know, mm -hmm. 33 Bugatti's and it's whether or not it's real or not, archetypally, that's what it is. Like the people that are hyper mammon, hyper materialistic, mm -hmm. and there's nothing really there. That's why I was never motivated by money. Like when I wanted to stand up is it, people told me I was crazy. I just got a history degree. I was going to go to law school, but it wasn't, I wasn't feeling, I just loved stand up. And I did it for like, at first I did it for like free meals and drinks and stuff. Like I was never cared about the money aspect. And then from that dedication to something that people that would care about money would never do. Cause if you care about money, doing what I did makes no sense. Or like what you did, like mm -hmm. going to an ashram for years and try, you know, teleporting with, you know, like that isn't something you do <laughs> for money, you know, no. or you don't, you don't go to Costa Rica to figure out biochar and domes for money. And so, but ironically, guys that do that usually end up with money mm -hmm. as a byproduct. And then everyone says, might be nice and think you're super lucky. And you're like, no, it's a byproduct, you know? Mm -hmm. It was really neat that I, I had such weird exp exposure growing up because my family came from old money in the Northeast, at least my mom's side did. And they would look at all the, like the real ritzy Jews in our area in South Florida and they would say, oh, that's nouveau riche. Yeah, 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 totally. I'm, I'm feeling that these days. Yeah, they would like throw their, no they would throw their nose up in the air at them. So because they were used to like, like really, like, I guess you would say um, classy, substantial wealth. Like, yeah, you know the, the generational is actually a sign of morality. Right. That, that's the thing people don't get where they're like, well, I didn't have a rich dad. I had to work from the slums. It's like, yeah, then you're like a dice roll. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have 20 generations of keeping wealth in the family, you're looking at people that, you know, that, that can hold the line mm -hmm. because wealth can go like that. You know, you get addictions or you lose your mind or you just like act like an asshole or have eight divorces or whatever. The wealth's gone. So that's why holding that wealth, we, we live in this society now where we're like, where you like, there's like a hatred of the wealthy, but yet an envy of the rich mm -hmm. where people want to have this like nouveau TikTok rich, but yet it's really not that cool. You're, you're, you're like, it's weird. It's, I, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, but it's like, I no longer look down. Not that I look down at them, but, and but for those, uh, for your listeners listening, I'm worth thousands of dollars. Like I'm not liquid rich at all like i'm i'm wealthy i own my land i have a farm all that stuff but so i'm i'm not talking from the perspective of like me making tons of money i've just seen through the the veil on this thing and it's interesting where it's like mm 
it's it's a task to maintain wealth over generations, maintain social order, not slip into decadence. You know, decadence will ruin your fortune. And you see that, you saw that with all kinds of revolutions. You go one generation where, you know, you got some bitch dressing up in gowns and talking shit, her head gets chopped off in France. Like mm-hmm. you don't get to keep it unless you know what you're doing, you know? Right. And this is where like the civility and then the power of eloquence comes through. I realized at a very young age, it was so, it was so mind blowing to me because I think I was in like third or fourth grade and all my, all my friends were like, if you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be? What, what would you, and like my one friend's like, oh, I'd have laser beam eyes. My other friend was like, I'd be invisible. And I was like, I would be able to communicate to anything or anyone great power effectively and they looked they looked at me like i was like this freak like that's kind of a lame superpower and i was like no think about it if you have the ability to communicate to anyone or anything you could you could totally manipulate your domain like your your domain is yours at that point yeah and and to me become invisible from that communication exactly need to be yeah yeah and so I, I, I've been reflecting a lot as of late of exposure, like just the, just the level, like we are so much of what we are exposed to. And I, I felt, I feel so grateful that I was exposed to old money and the nouveau riche. I was exposed to seeing so many nouveau riche people being miserable and feeling their misery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then seeing the wealthy people in my life actually be content yeah 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 contentment is different than happiness because happiness is an emotional state like it comes goes up and down up and down but when you're around somebody who's contented there's this baseline the bar is a little bit higher for a contented person you can't knock them off their perch yeah yeah they're less easy to manipulate yeah it's like uh, when iron's hot, you can bend it any way you want. That's like uh, non-contentment is like hot iron. It's like very malleable mm-hmm. because they're looking for the, I, there's this uh, book I used to like when I was a kid called The Missing Piece, where it was this, this ball just kept lo- looking for its missing piece. And uh, I think that that is, the, the moral of that story I think was wrong. I think it was made by a grab where Shel, Shel Silverstein Whereas like once you get your missing piece, you just, you you go so fast. It's like a circle. And once the piece was there, he no longer had friends. Bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that the missing piece where you're always looking to fill a void, you're basically an addict. You know, mm-hmm. someone can just get you to do whatever you want. Like I'm super content, you know, mm-hmm. to a point where I've like had, had like sit downs with myself. Like, am I missing my hunger? Because mm-hmm. back in the day, I used to be like hungry. Like I would be on the road all the time. I would be like, and now I'm just like, I just want to hang out with my goats and my kids and my wife. And I don't want to leave. Like I have nowhere I want to go. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah. it's interesting because it's it's a cool feeling. But at the same time, like that hunger, I don't know. It drove me for a long time. Well, I, I really, I was extremely hungry when I was amoral. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As soon yeah. as as soon as I wasn't immoral, I was amoral. 
Like I wasn't, I didn't hate God or I wasn't inverted. I just didn't care. Like I didn't think about it. Mm -hmm. Like amoral is a good way to describe it. It's like without morality versus immoral, which is like the inversion of morality where like abuse is good. And, you know, like I Mm -hmm. consider that more evil. I was just more like hedonistic, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. We grew up in that hedonistic time, man. And there was nobody really in my life that was telling me that that was the incorrect path. Same here. Not one person ever, no one, no one said not to do these things in, in the whole world around mm-hmm. me. Like getting like a hand job behind a church after drinking some Zimas, like that was cool no matter what. Like no one was like, maybe you shouldn't do that. Not one person, you know, <laughs> it was like drink some Zimas, get a hand job behind the church, tell everybody about it. You're the man. Oh, Zimas, that brings that brings back some memories. Zimas. <laughs> and I was the guy who bought everyone alcohol because I had a, a brother who was like five years older than me who looked enough like me where I could just use his ID. A perfect. So, so I could just buy unlimited alcohol back then. It was and I'm from such like a broken town that um yeah, like there's no wealth where I'm from. You know? Right. Like zero. I was from an eighth of an acre. 15, like my parents' house right now is worth 90 grand, like right now in this market. They're still in it. You know, I was heard- growing up with one car, no TV, mm-hmm. you know, like one professor's salary, which is back then was very low before all the scamming with the debt and all that. And then my mom stayed home and, you know, everything was from uh, yard sales and, you know, our garden. And, you know, she, we had the same refrigerator for 40 years, you know, very, very not material. You know, like for, uh, we didn't celebrate Christmas that much. It was father time and baby new year. You know, mm-hmm. we were like my mom, like so many of the things that are now like YouTube, uh, you know, like truth or stuff. My mom did it in the eighties. It was like only organic food, breastfeeding, anti-vaccine, like my, you know, buy nothing new. I don't know. Like my upbringing was very, very, uh, trutherish, you know? That's perfect. That that built resilience. It did. Yeah. But like a generation before my mom's side was extreme poverty. And on my dad's side was like banker elite that Mm -hmm. like his mother married for love and they just mocked her and she became like miserable. She married like a furnace cleaner, you know, and uh, named Joseph Smith. (laughs) And she was from what we, what turns out was probably Jews, but they were like super rich Chicago bankers. And then, so that created that resentment in my dad for money. Like he always wanted to be like his uncle John, who he was named after, who were like, you know, mega wealthy, but he got none of the money. So he had that like material drive that my mom had zero. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was an interesting upbringing. Well, it worked out. <laughs> It really worked. <laughs> I mean, it, I'm a bit of a maniac, but you know, people seem to enjoy me from time to time. Yeah, like you were saying yesterday, in yesterday's uh, stream, you did. You're, you know, you're not quote unquote building a nation or anything, but like, there is, there's a, there's a huge amount of people that are taking what you have been communicating so effectively over the years uh i just wanted i wanted my audience to know how not how but 
when it was where I got like, I was like, I have to reach out to you. You were being so honest about how much you hated becoming a flat earther. And yeah. when you were doing that, you were literally going through what I went through just, just a little while before that, where I, I did not want to go down that, that path. I did not want to let go of space. And I was so brokenhearted and I had no one to talk to about it in my local <laughs> sphere. And then, and then I'm watching you online because Weiss, you know, hooked me up with like, he's like, oh, you got to watch this guy. And so I, I started watching you and I was just, I could feel your pain, like your earnest, like, you know, just rage against the dying of the light, you know, going on. And it, it just endeared me to you because you were so hyper honest about that whole process. And at, yeah. no, at no time, like I, you went through your logical progression of each thing and it was, it was astonishing to me. Uh, I was just so happy to see somebody that was out there in, in the quote unquote popular landscape that was willing to, to not cuck to the pressure of, of, of being a, of being a glober. It was, it was just awesome. Yeah, I don't, I can't cuck and it's very painful. And I also have just always had that, I've always had that um, quality of being like ridiculously open and honest. Like when I was a hedonist, not like I called myself a hedonist, but I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. I'm like, guys, we can just have sex with like tons of people. You know, like I was never sneaky, you know? <laughs> and so it's funny that that's always been my quality that has made me funny because it wasn't always intentional like people always would endear themselves to me or find me funny like in a childlike way because I didn't have that like secondary voice in my head being like should you say that it would just always go like I don't have that hesitation mm -hmm. and uh and it's interesting because yeah it's it's uh it, it's interesting because I I made a decision a long time ago when I was first getting trolled that I would never lie to my audience and I would never misrepresent myself. Even like I've done streams like the day my dog died. And mm -hmm. you know, when I talked about my dad stealing from my mom and like all kinds of hard stuff or like, you know, as my ch children are being born or we start a new platform or the highs and the lows, you know, it's not just like the lows. It's like we share the, the heights and the lows. And so, yeah, I mean, we could say I'm building a nation. I mean, it's possible. <laughs> <laughs> it's real wealth. It's real wealth because yeah. you, you have your integrity and the integrity, yeah. the integrity mixed with discernment is, is wealth, man. It's, it's been wonderful to watch and be a part of. Yeah. I never understood why anyone would throw away their honor and integrity for, I, I used to call it lollipops and fancy pants, you know? Yeah. And that actually caught on. It was so funny how many phrases and words would catch on. Yeah. In the in these in the world, like I for, I said like, you know, spiraling up, mm -hmm. and then that that caught on, or like all kinds of shit, where you just come up with a with good rhetoric, and um, because people are like you're spiraling, and I'm like I'm spiraling up, like I'm mm -hmm. not spiraling down, I'm spiraling up, and people are like, holy fuck, you can spiral up, like yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. And, 
And and it's uh and for the fans because I don't know, maybe it's people that that can't see too far ahead where it's like because even utilitarian, even if you're looking at it from a from like a self-preservation point of view, if you lose your honor and your integrity, like you don't have anything. Like people can hate you or you could be wrong or you could piss people off or like kind of like I have this huge Christian audience and I'm like making fun of Paul and the Trinity for like six straight months. Mm-hmm. Like I'd, I, if I didn't, if I didn't, um, you know, hold my, hold my honor and hold my integrity. It's one thing to be polite. It's another thing to say something you don't believe for to not rock the boat or to get money or status. And that's so short lived, mm-hmm. you know, like th- there's no amount of money that would make me be jo- Joe Rogan. Like, Mm-mm. I mean, there's nothing you could offer me. Or you're like Jimmy Fallon. I was showing that years ago. Jimmy Fallon's deal with the devil. I have that on uh, Unbearables Media. It's like, no way. Can I be like the greatest? Can I be like the greatest in the world? And the devil's like, yes, Jimmy Fallon. You can be <laughs> number one. Everyone will know you. Everyone will want to be, be around you. But you will be a retard. And he's like, no way. What? So, so what'd you say? It's like, oh, nothing, Jimmy. You will be known by everyone. You know, it's that Faustian deal that mm. it's so true, where you're like, yeah, you can make 50 million a year. Cause in your mind, you're like, oh, I'm gonna have this great life. Mm-hmm. Oh, everyone will know you. Yeah, everyone knows like OJ Simpson. Like that doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. So if you don't keep and, and now you watch Jimmy Fallon and he can never be funny. They won't let him be funny. Mm-hmm. And I used to tour with Jimmy Fallon. I used to do like two man sketches with Jimmy Fallon. Like I know Jimmy, I used to headline when he would guest spot because he didn't have enough material and he was just getting the tonight show. And uh, I was known as like the best headliner that wasn't a list. Mm-hmm. So like I could hold an audience. And, uh, and so Fallon would go up every night, do 10 minutes in his defense, you know, in his credit, it was really smart to do that. Cause a lot of people get really famous and just try and do an hour and they suck. Mm-hmm. So I do, I'd be doing the hour and every night it'd be a surprise special guest, Jimmy Fallon. And, uh, and he'd go up and slowly got funnier and funnier. And I know for a fact, he's funny. That's mm-hmm. what makes it so tragically hilarious. It's like, he's quick, he's musical. He can do impressions. He's funny you know, but such a sellout, mm-hmm. you know, he sold all of it for, I don't know. Everybody has a different thing they sell out for. Is it approval? You it's know? the money thing. No, we just talked about it. You and I, and these other people, like you have your nigger rich, nouveau riche. You have those people, the people that want the seat at the table. I've seen this. That on nouveau a- stole my bike. That's hilarious. <laughs> we, we can just replace nigger with nouveau. That nouveau. Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, true. yeah. And you were never, like money was a nice byproduct of you doing what you were going to do anyway. Yes. The I noticed so many, so many people, money was, the the love of money was their downfall. Yeah. Love of money is the uh, root of all evil. It's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cause they, they think that it's going to lead them to stability. Cause you, you probably know, obviously you know a lot of pro athletes and I've known a few over the years. One thing I've learned and, and realized about that type of man, like alpha male, black city from nothing. They're desperately trying to be financially stable. It like never leaves them. 
mm-hmm. where they want that they want their money so that their mom can be safe. It's like trauma mm-hmm. that never goes away. It's money, 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 and uh, and it's so funny because they never get it. They like can get all this money, but they're always unstable. Like in fifteen years, it's all always gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, could- it, yeah. They have a crew that's, you know, leeching them from the get go. It's, exactly. it's, it's pretty sad, but it was kind of cool growing up in South Florida. Cause I had so many clients that were mega wealthy. Like one of my clients for years was an heiress to the Barclays, you know, yeah, money. <laughs> like, what were they like she was a trip, like her, her whole thing was, she always was trying to test me to see if I would, uh, if I would go past my, my parameters of work, like she would call me up sometimes and be like, I need you to come over right now. And it'd be like, you know, eight 30 at night. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. I can come tomorrow. And she would just be like, I'll pay you 200 extra dollars. And she tried to treat me like a whore. She tried to treat me like a hooker. And because I wouldn't go down that route, I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'll come tomorrow. She's like, I'll $500. $700. She was just trying to, cause money to her was nothing. And yeah. to me, I was, I was like venturing into my ashram days and I was just like, no, this, none of this stuff matters. Like that's. And so I just got so much respect from her because everybody. Well, what, what would you have done if you countered and been like, I'll take your pinky finger. <laughs> what would she have done? If you're like, I, I want you to lose something. She probably would have gotten turned on. <laughs> You're like, let me give you a little scar on your back and I'll come over. <laughs> something a little psychotic. Yeah, yeah. A little Barclays money. Who knows? It could have been some uh uh wise what was that movie that uh wise shut? Eyes wide eyes, shut. Eyes wide shut. Yeah, the only reason I'm like saying something that psychotic is I just read this article like uh recently that the uh Jameson heir, James Jameson of Jameson Whiskey once paid a bunch of cannibals to like eat a young girl in front of them in Africa. Oof. And it's like known fact. It's like, there was, you know, affidavits and there was a whole thing. And, and uh, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. Like why, you know, like I, I get that there's people that are really greedy or, or like willing to kill to stay out of prison or I, I understand horror, but why that? Like I, that, I, I just I just can't wrap my head around it where it's just like he paid these cannibals in Africa to like eat a 10 year old in front of him and he mm. paid for her and watch it. This is like Jameson whiskey. Like, this is a very famous, super wealthy guy. And it's like a known fact. I bet he wouldn't lose his fucking Twitter account. Probably not. <laughs> he no. wouldn't. Yeah. So that world gets very, very weird, you know? Yeah. Well, they get locked into this plane of existence. So I think they're, they're just kind of stuck here. So they're just looking for another thing to, to excite them. So you think that's what it is that they're like stuck? Yeah, I do. And they could be sharing the same physical space as you, but they're literally in a whole different plane of existence. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's not the sweet Swiss trillionaires that i'm thinking about (laughs) (laughs) yeah because i wonder what happened with his wealth i bet they lost it like people that act like that they just don't seem to stay on top you know 
No, I mean, if he's doing if that, kids, like, you know, he's in the Faustian like, circle. That's, that's, he's, he, he's not in a good place. No, I mean, how do you raise children? Like, how do you have heirs? You know, if you're like watching someone eat a kid, like, there's no way out of that. Like, how do you, it's one thing if you used to like drink and party a lot, but can you ever just be like, yeah, I used to pay cannibals to like eat kids in front of me. You know, mm -hmm. like that's fucking weird. Yeah. That's beyond weird. That's like, you can't get, no, when I say weird, it's like, I don't think you can get, I don't know. Like one of my ethics is you can always heal from anything, but like, how do you return from that? How do you get that out of your head? Like, you know, like, how well, he, would you, he might not even be there just cause right. his, like, yeah. just cause his body's there. I mean, there's there's all different form there there's all different things going on like it, it's a tell me what's going on tell me what that like what how does that happen is it a demon goes into your body and you're like no longer working yeah well a full possession is apparently one that demon overrides and that demon is the personality but then you can have something that's known as a walk-in and so you know, people get fractured all the time because they can't handle trauma. And so, or different types of trauma, depending on what it is. And that whatever the trauma trigger is can open a portal for something to walk in. And apparently some of these, these people that make these Faustian deals, they, they will like pass, they'll use, it's the whole Kronos uh, mythology where they'll feed their young to 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 the demon world so that they may have power in their time it's a it's a very gross thing and these people are usually wounded very very badly and they're running they're running the demonic world through them because the dis the disembodied they can't embody that's their torture they're they're stuck on this plane of existence but they don't have they the way the portal to the the higher realm is actually through our body. That's what actually took me out of the uh, new age world. I was around so many people in the new age world that were talking about astral traveling and doing all these things of like the body is the prison. And all my experience had been showing me, no, the body is actually our it's it it's our upline. It's actually what links us to the heavens above. So the in the new age world, they're really pushing all this stuff that disembodies people. And that's the problem is the majority of the disembodied spirits in this world, they want some they want the physical people, the people that have agency to be disembodied so that they can be in their body. So, how, yeah, how do you think you become a disembodied demon? Well, there's, I mean, there's so many different traditions that talk about it. Like there's a, this gets, I mean, this is like a big, this is a big topic. Um, I would have to say from the Christian perspective, the biblical, the, the biblical description of those those beings that were adverse to god's plan and that they were cast into this realm to to wander this realm 
till the end of it <laughs> that yeah. could that could make up like the they those could be like the progenitor those could be like the papa spirits of those that initiate the the evil and then you could have you could have because it is a free will realm that's the thing like we live in the plane of inertia so you can have uh, a being that was born of the creator like we're all born of the creator there's no, nothing you know outside of that umbrella that can choose that realm if they so choose part of what made christ so appealing to me is that he said he came here for everyone like he said upon his second his second coming it, it, he's here to scoop up everyone which makes logical sense to me the reason why i like that story is that if if christ is the the embodiment of the of the of the fulfilled man the the fully realized potential of god's creation it would be no problem to go ahead and be that light which induces the free will choice for everyone to choose god that makes that makes that's just logical to me yeah but from a, an actual practical perspective the demons that i come came across didn't feel human so does that make sense what were they like like ira <laughs> no not like ira Oddly enough, you know, like the, you know, the, all the shows that where they liken, they show you that, that black smoke, like that squid like black smoke. Um, the, the first time I was aware of a demonic presence was I had a friend of mine that was possessed. And as he was talking to everybody around me, I was watching everybody's light body drop. Like I was watching them become dim. And then I noticed as they were dimming, I saw these tentacles coming out of him like this, these black tentacles that were attaching to everyone. And I was like, I was just like so surprised that the six people that were around me like didn't see what I was seeing. It felt like I was almost in a movie because he was right across the table from me and I'm just watching him talk. And as he talks, everybody's getting lower and what was lower. He like? Like what, what was his background like i am not going to divulge that much just say i i was very close to him for over 15 years like it was somebody i knew on a very well a very very high level but he did have a psychotic break and during the psychotic break this other thing entered so i love the, the all the the talk that you've had as of late about schizophrenics you know, and how how the normie needs the schizophrenic to see the psychopath and like the yeah, whole yeah, yeah, the yeah, whole yeah. circle yeah, that yeah. you nailed it. <laughs> so he was he was a schizophrenic. He actually had fears about being a schizophrenic because he would he was this ultra sensitive, ultra talented person. And he had a psychotic break. And when he had the psychotic break, he would he was essentially um I don't know the difference between a bipolar person or a multiple personality, but I think he was a multiple personality person. And so I thought he was just in one of his moods where he was like a different personality, even though he was talking to us all from the same uh, identity. But while he was in that, I'm just watching everybody's energy drop, but I see these like, 
these like grayish black tentacles reaching out from them. And I'm freaking out. Like, I'm like, what, what's going on? And why is nobody aware of it? That was like the feeling in me. It was like, why aren't my friends aware of it? And then it's like, before I could even say anything, this, I felt this energy come down my head and shoot out my chest across the room. And then all the tentacles retracted into his body. And so I was freaked out. The whole dinner ended and like, I ended up talking to my bestie and I was like, dude, were you aware what happened in there? Like, did you feel that? Did you see that? And in reflection, he's like, yeah, I did feel like my energy drop. And I told him the whole thing. And so we just sat there and we prayed, you know, for like, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. And I was like, I'm hitting the hay. And as I was going back to my tent, I, I got approached by the demon. Like it, it came at me, like it fucking flew at me. And I was just like, I, I, I was just like, so frozen by, by fear. And then my, my guardian angel, who's my great grandmother, I heard her voice just say, she's like, breathe, Christopher. And I was just like, and as I was breathing, this face was just like right there. And then it just kind of backed up and the whole body just kind of congealed into like a more human, like, like shape. And she, that's when she whispered to me, she's like, demons don't have any power. They only have influence. And oh, so true. So and, true. and I was like, oh, then I could breathe. And then it did that whole shape shift from being the most fearsome, gruesome, like almost heart stopping thing I'd ever seen to one of the most beautiful faces I'd ever seen. Like it went from trying to scare me then into like the seduction thing. And then I just kept hearing her and I could I could smell her more than hear her. She didn't say much. I, she, the few times that she saved my life, I could always smell her, but I, I could smell her presence. So that kind of kept me calm and I just kept breathing and I started to meditate and I watched this thing turn into this beautiful, like androgynous thing, which made me think it was like a fallen angel because it was androgynous. And then it just disappeared into the night. So Whoa. I, so I felt like I, I felt like I, that was like one of the biggest moments in my life of facing a fear of facing something that was like really mortally like, like it, it was probably one of the scariest things I'd ever been in where it wasn't like a, a, a moment of reaction. It was like just something I had to face. And from, from that moment after facing that demon, I never had to deal with my schizophrenic friend again. Like every psychotic break. I think he had it through stress and the fact that his his wound had to deal with um he was a very promiscuous man in his youth. And he had taken on a, a partner, and I think she carried some really weird shit. There was a lot of weird stuff that was around her. And so I think he kind of, I think he just, <laughs> I, this is, I never talked to him about it. So I don't know if I was to guess, I would say he made the deal in his head. Like, Hey, this might be my last go at, you know, this fine piece of ass, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just did it. 
and ever, from that point that he started interacting with her his his interactions with all of all of his you know older friends got really really odd and then his psychotic break was like literally the night that he was having a psychotic break he told me he was gonna die like he thought like he thought it was for real like he thought oh i'm i'm dying tonight they're taking me so he had he had real schizophrenic moments that's it dude it's like like as as the ashram turns, it's like a soap. <laughs> yeah, I know. I love how you said that because with with Paul, I listen. I can't listen to his like four hundred hours about it because I lived it. But it's it's such an odd. Accurate what he's saying. Well, the all the stuff. I don't know. He has too much of a rose colored glasses about India, especially the area of the world he was in in Chennai. Ugh, Chennai is just an absolute dregs. It's literally. Imagine Louisiana, but hotter with 30 million people in it. Yeah. Hell. All, all, all in one city. Yeah. No clean water and in constant smelting air at that heat. Like, it, no, it's just like, if frequency is location, if like, that's what I, that was the whole thing. Cause the ashram I was in was called self-inquiry ashram. It was Atma Vichara. So the whole practice of Atma Vichara is to find the eye, the big eye, like that, which sponsors your awareness, your sentience. And so I would be in this environment and what I found for me, because I'm more of a bhakti than a nani was wherever I was and I would I would give my sensitivity and let let my the small self drop I I would become the environment the big i is the all <laughs> and so being in an absolute bullshit you know disgustingly polluted area that wasn't me and I couldn't yeah. and, and I couldn't pretend I couldn't be like one of these good, you know, sannyasins that was like, oh, yes, it's so perfect here. I can feel how, how enlightened every utter bullshit. I was like, no, 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 no. Like, the, what is the practice? The practice is to find the I, the big I, the Atman. Okay. So when you're letting go of all your conditioning, you're letting go of all the stories, what is left? And so you're in that space. And when you're in that subtle space, you're literally feeling everything that's in the space. And if that's dog shit, you're dog shit. Don't you think it's, it's like that too? Cause there's a lot of really like a lot of immorality there. Oh, it's people lie. So this was the biggest thing I had a problem with. It's the most spiritual place in the world. So why is lying condoned like openly condoned? like in everything it's one thing if like you had a sale and you they go oh this this sale is 50 percent off so it's instead of 40 bucks it's 20 bucks and you all know like the retail is already a hundred percent more than it is anyway so you're just paying for what they you know so you kind of know it's a lie but there it's a lie on a whole different level why about everything everything all the time and it's always condoned and that's why I think they have no wealth. Everyone wants to blame Americans or the dollar or whatever. And I'm like, 
No, it's behavioral. It is. You know, if you lie all the time, you lower the trust and you can't do, you can't like build wealth with lies. That's why I've, you know, been doing this odd exercise of like really being into Switzerland and looking at these super rich people. Cause I'm like, you have to have an element of honesty to get, to maintain those ties at that level. Cause if not, if no one trusts you, you can't do deals. You can't do like, that's what I'm seeing a lot with, uh, the nouveau Jewish rich is like, they're not going to keep it Mm-mm. because people are starting to be like, Oh yeah, I can't trust you. Like, I'm not going like, think about what just happened to vaccines, like just the medical world, like how much wealth they actually lost short term. Sure. They made all kinds of money, but long term, no, people are going to be like, yeah, I don't trust them. I don't want to, I don't want to inject something into my body. Mm-hmm. You know, like normal people see that now. That's why it's called a bank and trust. Like I've been researching uh, the history of money so much because it's like how it started with the goldsmiths and, you know, a ticket to get your gold that they capped or they used to have these things called tally sticks in England where they'd break a stick. And if your stick matched, you got your gold because nothing they, they were all unique like snowflakes. And because I'm really trying to figure out what the hell went wrong with the dollar. And so much of it is about basic honesty. Yeah. And we always like to think that bankers are all pieces of shit, but they shouldn't be like if the best bankers should be honest, because if if you have that reputation, that's what's happening right now to the West and Swift and our capitalism and all that. The reason it's falling apart is because the rest of the world's looking. It's like YouTube or Twitter or anything. They're like, I don't trust that you won't kick me off for a stupid reason. Mm-hmm. Like what's happening with Russia? They had a border dispute with Ukraine and now all their assets are seized and they're not allowed to use the banks. It's like Kanye West can talk endlessly about, you know, drugs and murder and fucking and all that. He criticizes Jews for one day. He loses $2 billion. It's like people witness this and then they go, oh, I don't want anything to do with that. Even if they don't say it out loud, you know, like many times in my life, if I have friends that, that I watch lie to people, I won't like call them out, but I'll, I'll just start being like, is that what you do? You just lie, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm like, do you do that when I'm not around? Like, that's the first thing you think is like, oh, you, you lie, you know? And so when I look at really impoverished areas, it's so easy just to be like, oh yeah, it's because of colonialism and all this shit. It's like, no, man, I've known a lot of Indians and there's some cool ones, but a lot of them are very, very materialistic. And they lie all the time. Like they'll, you'll ask them directions and they'll just lie to be polite and send you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, Oh, how do you get to the post office? Oh, my friend just go right down the street. They don't know. And then you go down the street, it's not there. And you could call them out. It's like, Oh, my friend, I was just making you happy. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, is that spirituality? Like you fuck. You just wasted an hour of my time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. There's the whole agreeableness in the, the, the niceness aspect of life, you know, I, back in the day, I had taken Jordan Peterson's personality test thing, like in 2015 or 2016. And uh, yeah. I, I was like in the 98th percentile of the like least agreeable people. Yeah, I would too. <laughs> I would too, yeah. I was just like, I was so, I was so just like confrontational in that way because it was so frustrating, man. You would have, you would have been well you would end up being the ruler of india if you were there 
because they're they're so weak and feeble in the sense that they they are just so agreeable and they they literally don't do yes or no they they do this like head wobble thing and it that is their whole way of being at least in the areas of india that i was in i can't speak of india as a subcontinent i've known a lot of indians that's how they are and it was just it was very disheartening for me because I had people I trusted that sold me on the whole idea of it. Like I wasn't all sold on it. And I was like, oh, okay, it's a lot of money to go there. It's a long way. It's going during, going during the Christmas season. You know, that's when the weather's the best in Florida. Why am I going to the subcontinent of India and go there? And it's just like, it all? what's that? Is there, is there any parts that were like naturally beautiful? Not that I saw. The one area, the the one area that I saw that was nice was wiped away by the Banda Achi. Uh, what is that? The tidal wave. You remember that in two thousand four? Yeah, yeah, I, I do. Yeah, so it was really kind of. That's when I actually got my first taste of how bullshit media is, right? Because we're there, we're we're a bunch of Americans that are over there, and somehow, some way, the local news in South Florida finds out that you know, a bunch of local people are, we're where the, the, um, what are those tidal waves called? It's tsunami. Not, tsunami. The tsunami was. And the funny thing was, was we would go to Pondicherry where that tsunami hit to go get French bread. <laughs> it was like the only place that we could go is like this little French little colony to get some decent food in the Southern park. Cause it was like, they used so many chemicals. They used so much, like it was just decimated by the greening of India that happened in the sixties from John Deere. Like it was literally all the, like the local farmer type people were, were, were decimated. So that area, if you were to have any decent food, you had to leave that area. You'd have to go to the coasts where they could import things. So it's environmentally just fucked. The area like from from Chennai, which is now Madras, or I, I always forget whether it's Madras or Chennai, but it's one of those, is on the east side of the subcontinent. It's about one third of the way down. We would travel from there to dead center in the middle of the southern part of India. And that area is called Tamil Nadu, the region of Tamil Nadu. And we would go to the holiest of holy mountains in all of India, known as Tiruvannumalai. And Tiruvannumalai was kind of a neat mountain in the sense that it was an extinct volcano. And because it was considered so holy, nobody really desecrated it. Like just outside the outskirts of the mountain, it was completely desecrated. <laughs> but the mountain itself was literally seen as like the holiest place for, for people to do their pujas, like all the sages would come to that mountain and traverse it seven times on their new year to like pay homage to Shiva. And that, that mountain was actually kind of cool. And there was a lot of supernatural things that were going on there. We had uh, some really cool supernatural experiences there, but just the town right next to it. And then as you headed either East or West of there, it was like, it was, it was decimated farmland. Like it doesn't grow anything? No, it does, but it only grows through like huge implements. 
It's not like it's not like you're looking at it and being like, oh, this is fertile land. Like you don't get a sense of abundance. It's like in some of these like, you know, factory farmed areas in in the States that you yeah, you can see green and you can see rose, but you don't get I shouldn't say you. I don't get the sense when I look at that, like that's actually food. And everything had a metallic taste. You think it's going to become a desert? It would have to be either that, or I think it would freeze over. If it froze over, that would be really good. How would it freeze over? When the, when the cathode and the anode moved to the new phase, dude, did you, have you listened to any of the, the casts I've done? Not the recent ones. I listened to the one or I don't know where to find them. You got to give me a link. Just okay. Like send me yeah. Okay. So check this out. We figured out the change of the age. What is it? Check this out. I'm so excited because you know I've been looking for this forever, and this yeah. go and this uh, this is what I really want to talk to you about is the whole cosmology of things. So you know how biblically speaking, the 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 plane of existence, Earth, is on four pillars, right? Yeah. Well, the big question is, what are those four pillars? And you know, it's turtles all the way down. <laughs> But those four pillars were known as the the royal corners, and so I don't know that I don't know the etymology. I don't know who came up with that, but people had said, okay, well, if this is a square, and why do the royals have so much power in in this realm, other than claiming it, <laughs> other than cheating the regular people? But they're still ha they would still have to have something going for them to be able to hold sway over everyone right so there's been all this talk from an astronomical and astrotheological perspective about the four royal stars that are in the sky and the four royal stars in the sky occupy the constellations that were the cardinal constellations so the, the constellation of taurus of leo of Aquarius and I always forget the fourth one, the four. So what just happened in at the end of 2012 that almost nobody talked about because I think they threw up all the smoke and bullshit for the Mayan calendar stuff, which is like, oh, it's the end of the Mayan calendar. Well, the truth of it, it wasn't the end of the Mayan calendar because the Mayan calendar wasn't attached to the Gregorian calendar. And all the people worth their salt said, no, 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 no. The Mayan calendar is not linked to the Gregorian calendar. Their 2012 isn't the Gregorian calendar. It's more, it's more like 2020 if you're going to try and like link the two. And I really like that. But what they're throwing all this smoke out there because what had happened was that last cardinal excuse me that last royal star that was in in leo in regulus its name is regulus moved now this is a fixed star fixed that star moved into the constellation of um virgo that was the fourth one. So what that does is that that square, then the square of all of those royal stars are now in the mutable signs. So you know how everybody's like, oh, we're moving into the age of Aquarius because on the spring equinox of 2220, 
the sun will rise in Aquarius and then we'll be in the age of Aquarius. Like that's what they're trying to say. And I've always thought, huh, I don't know about that because the planet ecliptic is what determines where the sun is rising, where, and if the realm is moving, if, if like the realm, if the cathode and the anode are moving along within the realm, where the sun rises isn't going to be that that's not going to be the constant that you're going to know that the the of of the uh of the age there has to be some other signifier for the age it, and it had it can't be linked to the sun because if the sun and the moon are constantly moving you know like the prog clock around there has to be a, a greater signifier in the fixed stars and this is it so what this means is, let me ask you this, as somebody that's been like fucking kicking ass since 2013, has anything in your life since 2013 not been mutable? What does mutable mean? Means like it can just change on the fly. Like- uh, Yeah, 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 totally. Like a mutable, a great way of saying mutable is being a chameleon. Like the, the chameleon- Adaptation, yeah. Wouldn't you say since 20, 2013, everything yeah. has been about adaptation? Like if you yeah, can't- like improvisation. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that completely. So I always go like if, if something in the great zeitgeist of pop popularity is pushing in one direction, I look behind it. I, I look, go, okay, if they're pushing in that direction. Yeah. I know it's, I know it's probably 180 degrees the other way. Yeah. So you keep hearing about the age of Aquarius, the age of Aquarius. Well, guess what? Those royal fixed stars moved. We actually just moved into the age of Pisces. We're we're just entering now the mutable age. Because Pisces rules the mutable. Like it's like it's it's like the having all these these royal stars. Because that's the that's literally what we're told is the corners of our of our Earth. The royals move, and now we're in this Gemini, this uh, Sagittarius, this Piscean, this Virgo difference. And it's totally different because when those things were in the cardinal signs, everything was fixed. Yeah. Like you could count on things being like, if I put my money in my IRA. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dude, that was exact. The funniest thing that just happened is. We're talking about the mutability and the whole fucking screen just went like that. <laughs> that hilarious. It's awesome. Like we're counting on what we can count on and the whole computer just shifted. All right. Anyway, go on. I like when things actually become real like that. Right. <laughs> it's, it's a, it's amazing for me because I didn't, I know I have a tendency. I'm always checking myself to see if I'm just doing the confirmation bias. And I also am a little bit, I get I get disappointed with different people that I find as experts where they don't like take it to like the next level of like really really discerning what it is that they're talking about. So for me with astrology and astronomy was like for you not to link the these astrological mythology and all this symbology to the actual astronomy is just being lazy. Because the it, the astronomy is the only thing that's constant. It's like right there. We can look at it. 
So that's why I started to let go of tropical astrology because tropical astrology isn't linked to the actual astronomy of what's happening in the sky. So after watching the astronomy for a while and then like talking to a bunch of people that fall like our sky watchers and then like that know a lot more about mythology than I do. Like it was like, oh, okay, this is actually this, this, this sonoluminescent whatever that's in the whatever <laughs> it's actually interactive and the more you give your attention to it the more you understand like this whole realm is completely interactive but the way it's being characterized isn't what's matching my experience it's like in everything we've been told everything that we've been told about we've been lied to about so that old that saying where they used to say you know millionaires don't look at astrology billionaires do yeah. you know we could change it from you know uh millionaires look at tropical astrology but trillionaires that owen hangs out with look at sidereal astrology you know we, you could change the saying but the thing is is if you don't know the the context in which you're getting the information then the information that you're getting is out of whack the information that you're receiving is not going to lead to wisdom because yeah. you, you don't know the context that it's in and so the big thing for me is like this whole confirmation that we've moved into more mutable times i mean that's my anecdotal experience for the last 10 years yeah, it, it's been nothing but change and not change in the sense of like, oh, I changed my house location or anything like that. Like every process that I've been involved in has the little the literal process has changed or become different than from what was previous to that time. Yeah. And so you think it just affects people without them even being aware of it? that everyone's just more fluid now? Absolutely. So do you think that even like the the gender fluid bullshit, do you think that has something to do with the age? Yeah, because I have this thing where there are people that literally are under these influences and they're not choosing free will. So whenever you have externalized, yeah, 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 yeah. whatever you have externalized authority and depending on the degree that you have externalized authority will depend on how much you're being run. <laughs> But if you, if you and your creator are under the same jurisdiction and you've claimed that, then you'll, you'll be more of the, like the stable buoy and the waters that are always changing, but you're still that buoy. But those... that makes sense. Like imagine like, I don't know, what's a war sign like Aries would Aries yes. be war? Yes, it is. So, so there was probably a time where you went into the war and and so everybody that had given up jurisdiction just immediately started becoming like warrior fighters, mm -hmm. you know, and now we're in the Piscean age where, yeah, it's like you have no solid ground at all. It's just everything changes so quickly unless you claim your position. Because mm -hmm. even during Aries, I bet people could have not been warlike, but everyone around them would just be acting like really aggressive all the time, you know? Mm hmm yeah and this is the, the last stage what was the last stage aquarius and what is that characterized with currency aquarius aquarius is very aquarius 
So it wasn't just Aquarius, it was all of the cardinal signs. So it was Aquarius, it was Taurus, it was Leo, and it was Scorpio. So Scorpio is sex. A um, Aquarius is all about new, new technology. Right. Then you have uh, Taurus, which is about, it's about hedonism. It's the Epicurean, the, the Taurian energy is Epicurus. It's, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to taste and touch and experience everything. And then oh, Leo, <laughs> and then Leo is pride. Leo is like, this is, you know, I am, I am, I'm royal. I'm, I'm the pride of the lions. Like I am, I am here. Look at me. So what at the end of the de age of all the decadence that we lived in, like what you were describing in your Saturday stream, you were, you were describing the end of the age of decadence. When you get the, the dark characteristics of those four cardinal signs, it is absolutely decadence. It, it's, it's, the, it's the most perfect mythological represent, representation of what decadence is. Yeah, because I can make an argument that there was more decadence in the 90s. No. You think there's more decadence now? No, no. I think the, the end, the peak of that age of decadence was 2012. Yeah. Like I think there's, yeah, I think we agree then. I think there's less, even though it appears like everyone's losing their fucking minds. I think that does have more to do with the Piscean, the way you're describing it. I'm resonating with where it's like that constant change, 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 change. Yeah. Cause there was uh, growing up, there was a lot of decadence. Like there was yeah. a lot of like drug use, blowjobs, materialism. Mm -hmm. No one talked about God. Like, yeah. So you look at it. So whenever you're looking at a chart, right? So we're talking about the change of an age. Ages last between 2,000 and 2,400 years, right? You think we really did just go through a change? that I absolutely like think. And they, they ran cover with it with all the Mayan bullshit. That's cool. We got to go through a change. That's pretty fucking cool. And I'll just, you put it out to the bears tomorrow when you do your stream. Ask did we go through an age change and just say the last 10 years from 2013 to 2023, look at all the processes of your life now relative to the processes before that. And are any of those processes that you're doing now, could they have been foreseen before 2013? Like, look, we just bought, we just bought a property here and we bought property in a very inorganic, like I guess you would say, um, a not so uh, conventional way. If you could have told me back when I bought my first house in 2003, that in 2023, I'm going to buy a house by using um, digits that were considered proof that were verified through proof of work by other digits to go ahead and and solidify and then be traded into a a debt instrument that then could be signed off for and then redistributed back i would have been like what the fuck are you talking about yeah yeah 
it, it was it's and now this is i'm not just talking about innovation i'm just actually talking about like how things are done like how we do things so like you and i both have farmland we have land that we we do very like you would think time time true like age old you know intelligence like some old man on his porch from the 50s could you know mm -hmm. sit here and tell you how to do it better i guarantee you right now you're doing it better than he did because you have so much information at hand and you have the capacity to constantly adapt and you have so many people that you can measure it off of well that, that's why that you're you're evolving the the processes so fast that probably in 10 years when your children are are doing it it's even going to be more efficient than the way you're doing it now yeah because think about how many things people because you 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 want to think about old knowledge but think about how many how much old knowledge was nonsense where someone would do something <laughs> it would appear to work they would put it in a book and do it forever and it meant nothing because it was written down it was stable right right, right, right. and if it was on a piece of paper or you got you got this you have this you know piece of paper saying that you went to four years of college that you yeah. actually knew something we now know that you don't know shit. Like you got to show it. You got to be. You got to adapt. You got to. Why it's an apocalypse? Because like yes, everything's been revealed. Where it's Ab just absolutely. It's and, like naked. And it's an apocalypse because if you think about, it, if you go from the stable, fixed cardinal signs that do not move or change, and now the cardinal sign, now now those those four royal stars have shifted into mutable signs where change is the norm, how much do you think the people that are attached to the stability, how do you think they're going to, how, how, how are they going to handle it? They're going to spiral. They're going to spiral down. <laughs> you have centripetal spiraling and then you have centrifugal What's spiraling. What's your advice? Like, what, what do you say? Do you, is it all about what riding waves these days or what? I've had this notion and we've talked about it a bunch of times. The only real knowledge comes from the flow state yeah everybody in their life needs to cu <laughs> cultivate the flow state <clears throat> yeah that, that means that you're in jurisdiction with your creator and you're constantly gauging in the moment and you're and you're and you're assessing <clears throat> in the moment yeah you're not you're not the fixed goals are you can have fixed goals but those are on like a spiritual level you have to be okay with watching like i had this whole i had i had like four whole plans two weeks ago for my whole farm by 10 minutes before i got on with you tonight after having a couple bears over here and talking about they're all different now oh yeah how are the bears doing is it great being with all the bears oh, dude i'm in heaven Awesome. I, I am home. Like I, I almost feel like the last few years is just like, don't even, they weren't even there, you know, and our synchronicity is going to keep increasing. Cause it, even just from this talk, it's like, uh, when you were talking about finding your eye, I don't know if you checked out my, um, my, uh, my, uh, my Instagram or telegram today, but I posted that video I sent you where I'm in a cloud and I just called it I comma cloud. I, I saw it. I haven't watched it yet. Dude, it's so interesting because I was like, okay, there's the iCloud and then there's iCloud. Like, so your location is your vibration. I'm in 
I'm 5,000 feet above sea level. I'm completely alone. I'm surrounded by these trees that look like giant druid priests. Mm -hmm. There's no sound whatsoever. I'm in a cloud and I'm just like on a mountain. And I, I record these things because part of my, you know, my job is sharing, you know, my journey with the people that listen to me. And so I'm like, I record it and I'm like, this is, yeah, mutable. It's like, so I'm, I'm on a mountain doing that. The next minute I'm in a car with four kids. The next minute I'm eating raw eggs in a chicken coop pretending to be a predator. You know, I'm like, you know, eating raw eggs, like taunting my chickens. Now I'm talking to somebody in Missouri on a Zoom call. Yeah, it is. It is wild. Like the, the amount of change, the plasticity that I think is required in this age is incredible. Yes. But it's so fun, you know, and that's why it's fun having the bears. Cause like, I think we're all on this ride together, you know, like uh, me and Coddington could write a book just on our experience where it's like, okay, YouTube's down. What do we got? We got bitch. Okay. We got to. It's like PayPal killed us. What do we got now? We got anything out of Switzerland? You know, it's just really fast. And, and and you don't even have time to stop and be like, wait a minute, is that even legal? Like, what the fuck are they talking about? So I'm a criminal now? I've never even been accused of a misdemeanor. So now I can't be on PayPal, but you can crowdfund chopping off a little kid's dick. You know, and so you can you can sit there in that moment, like you're, like the last age, and sit there and like really... Or you can just keep fucking hammering, just keep flowing. So, bro, this just came to me. This is why the currency of trust is so huge. Yeah. Once somebody is credible in your existence, like you and Cod, you got have this implicit trust. So you can ride these turbulent. You know, they would appear turbulent, but it's just a. It, it's just a. It's actual oh, yeah, it's life. Like, it's great. Yeah. And so you get to go, you get to bounce and everything like that. And that's why all the liars are scurrying. They're scurrying. Because you're cause, so true, dude. The trust is the currency now. Yes. Because I have so many people, everyone in my life, trust me, even people that don't like me, mm -hmm. where we can just be like, okay, what's the new plan? I'll send you money. Here's 10 grand. Let's start this server, buy a server, blah, blah. There's no hesitation of lies. Mm -hmm. Because you, you got to admit, as far as like this age is going, like I'm, pretty doing pretty well in this age mm -hmm. like it feels like my uh and you're same with you you know you're in costa rica you're up here you're fucking it's like if you're in a position where you can have a community through these times like ride or die um it's fucking fun i i it was scary and it's no longer scary there mm -hmm. was a time when i you know i never cuck obviously but there was a time when it's like what the hell is happening you know it's like I'm this Hollywood guy. I'm now kicked off Twitter, but now I'm, you know, talking to some amazing people, you know, now I'm in Idaho. I'm kicked out of a town. I'm, a, And it's like, oh, I have the big giant book deal. Oh, I lose the book deal because of a word I'm saying. It's like, and, you know, but once you get in that zone where that's why faith and truck, faith is big too now, mm -hmm. faith, because you got to be like, this ride is going someplace good. If not, it's that's why there's so much suicide right now. There's a lot of suicide. Is there a lot of people? Oh my God. It's insane. Suicide in a lot of, in a lot of ways, not just like bullet in the head, but like, I want out of here. I'm going to take way too many drugs or take too many boosters. You know, mm -hmm. like people are choosing to get off the ride because they can't handle it. But like, if you have faith and trust, there really is nothing stopping you because 
It also is a an era, I don't know if you've thought about this, but of incredible abundance. Oh God, yeah. Like it's just, it's just popping up every, like opportunity, opportunity. I remember it because I was, you know, I was a good kid. It wasn't like I wasn't, I was like stupid or anything, or I did there was not the opportunity when I was younger. Like mm -hmm. it's not even that I didn't see it. It's like it like when you're talking about with the astrology, because I don't know that much about astrology, but fixed cardinal points and you have these immovable, you know, pillars, and the, this is your age, and now we're more fluid. Uh people didn't have very many options, whether it was their own imagination or the era or the system, but you, you did the same job. You, mm -hmm. you, you know, you got one job, you got a family, you fucking joined a lodge to get away from your wife and you died, mm -hmm. you know, and that was it. Well, it's, it's fun. So like, so you shift, let's say from Taurus to Gemini, which you're, you are specifically on that cusp. So Taurus is the Epicurean. They're usually very good with money. They know their material world very well. They hold it. They hold it very well. But the Gemini archetype is about communication, and it's Janus. It's the two face. It, it it can go to either polarity in a split second, but it's ruled by Mercury. So it's all about the speed, the speed, the speed, the the quickness. What what holds the the mercurial mind isn't just the eloquence in which something is presented it's the speed of it taurus is slow it's the bull it moves yeah, like yeah. It, it it only has that one hard charge and then it's done Un, no gemini being ruled by mercury it's quick it's always quick and the quicker you can be and the faster you can react it's like you know, I'm trying to train my team all the time. I'm like, we're successful because we strike while the iron is hot. You have to do that in this age. You cannot ever just like, oh, well, you know, that's going to be there. You know, th yeah, that's so me, dude. I like push everybody like to a point where when me and Vox <laughs> launched unauthorized, it was like, okay, it's going to be a few weeks. Oh, Owen just talked about it on stream. We got to <laughs> Like, I, I literally am always like, no, I'm, I, it's now. You know, like with, with, it's like that with, uh, you know, busy town bear too. I'm just like, oh no, well we have to secure this. I'm like, I'm, I'm, it's now it's gotta be now because if you, if you, I, I get it, it's a balance. Like, I'm really glad that I have people around me that, you know, hammer things out, but it's all about the flow. It's like, if we go now, we can do it. If we wait, we won't, because a lot of it has to do with the energy and enthusiasm in the moment it has to be the right moment for everything. That you know, this, if you wait, it's like my, my piano is so this age where it's like the weaving of the different songs together and just going with it. Like you're not hesitating. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, that's so true. Like there has been a shift because I, I typically don't think about astrology, but because um, I was I was raised think I used to do a bit that astrology was Dungeons and Dragons for women. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's like, oh, you know, like wizards. So. And no, but now I'm starting to see it. There is clearly a map up there and like something will shift and things change. Like that, that's a fact. Like I, I've experienced that. I know that's true. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. like the reason I was never into astrology is because I didn't think the shit looked like what they were saying. It was that simple. It's like, that's a scorpion. I'm like, that's like a triangle. Like, how is that a fucking scorpion? You know? Yeah. Now I get it. It's like, it's like a spiritual embodiment of a change. Because you have like it, there really is truth in it where you're like something major has shifted and no one's in on it. Cause as a truther, I, I was always like, oh, okay, 
well, these people are trying to do this and it's these white papers and the Rockefellers and all this shit. And over time, I'm like, no, yeah. people are just reacting. It's so Especially, much bigger. It's so they're, like they're unaware of what they're even fucking doing, myself included. Because one thing that really changed me was seeing all the people like uh, talk about me as a shill or CIA or Mossad or tr uh, trans or Hollywood shit. I'm like, I'm obviously I know me. It's I like I know m me. <laughs> I'm not that. So are you guys wrong about everybody? You know, and I started looking into it and yeah, there's intelligence agencies and plans and banking stuff and 9-11 and all this shit. But I think we're going to be experiencing less of that in this age. I think it's actually petered out a bit. Like remember, you know, you had Sandy Hook and all this shit, all these like scripted bullish kind of touristy and how you describe that events. And now it's way more like, Oh shit, Kanye said nigger. What are we gonna do? You know, it's just well, it's just it, I just gave you one of the four archetypes that were at play. So you had the Taurus archetype that I described, and then you had the Leo archetype, which was all about right. pride. Yeah. It's all about pride. And then you yeah. have the Scorpio archetype, which the 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 Scorpio is all about like the deepest despair. Like this is the shadow elements I'm speaking about of, of these signs. It's about, it's, it's about the occult. It's, it's about just like the deepest, darkest waters and like what the subconscious is doing. And it's very vindictive. Like if that's why the Scorpio has the tail. So it's this vindictive energy that's there. And then you have the next one where where uh, Aquarius as the fixed air sign. Aquarius was all about digging, you know, a thousand holes one foot deep instead of one hole a thousand feet deep. So now the switch into where we're dealing more with Pisces, Gemini, Virgo, and Sagittarius, or Ophiuchus. Ophiuchus. Ophiuchus is the healer. Then you have Pisces, which is the last, the last in in the in the in the cosmology of the constellations, where um, the Piscean energy is about like been there, done that. It's most Pisces are not materialists; they're much more of the artist. They're much more of the philosopher. Yeah, exactly, because they've been there, done that, and they're a water sign. And then now Gemini, Gemini, like I said, is all about fast polarities, like how quick the timing of things. And then you have in Virgo, Virgo is the mother. Virgo's the virgin. She's the one that actually hold, holds the, the purity that brings life in. So every age has its, you know, bell curve where you start it, start the beginning of the age and it still has the remnants of the old age that, you know, that energy is there. And then it escalates up and it peaks during the middle and it descends down. But it's a good time because we still have some momentum from Taurus that we can use. Yeah, yes. yeah I like this time right now. Yeah, yeah, because God in his infinite wisdom works with us slowly. It's never like, you know, we have these abrupt changes and things like that, but the overall push of our evolution as a spirit is very gentle. Like if you look at it, if you, uh, at least I'll say in my life, I've been such a fuck up so many times. It's just like looking at God and having reverence for, for my creator is partly because I see how much 
the creator loves me and how gentle he he's been with me. Like there are certain times I needed to be smacked upside the head and that happened of course, but like overall, I, I really believe we come from benevolence. And so as the, as the age changes, it's a benevolent shift. It's not like the end of the world. Like there'll be certain aspects of the world ending, but you know, there's never, we might need to freeze Chennai. We're just going to slowly just, that'll be 65 this year. Uh, that's how I'm going to name the podcast, Freezing Chennai. Nobody will get it. <laughs> so, is it super populated in India? That's what I'm saying. Chennai has 30 million people in it. So Just, what do you see with these ages doing with places like India and China? Like, how can they get mutable? I think what occurs when you come to the end of anything, you actually see the whole story of the previous age. So that's what's happening right now. So the, the apocalypse, the revelation is we're at the end of the, we finished the old one and we're entering the new one. So the whole script for the last age is now being, being shown to us. You get this little window before you get into the thick of your ramp up of like really fully experiencing it. You sort of get like an end of the life review. <laughs> you get to see it all. You're like, oh shit. And people call that the apocalypse. Right now. Give me an example of that. Like what, what's being shown? Oh, we're being shown that, you know, the continental US was actually the old world. It's not the new world. We're being shown the actual shape in in of our existence. We're being shown true cosmology. Like it's like what you're doing right now with bringing back the male spirit, like, you know, with, with your demographic, the majority of your demographic of these young men, like you're reinvigorating that like fucking balls to bones, like be a man. And like, you know, <laughs> I, I, I was telling Adam today, I was like, I was like, I'm going to have to admit to BB that I like it when he doesn't get male. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get pissed off. <laughs> I'm like, all right, everyone, take a knee. I might as well just call <laughs> one of those take a knee. It's so you're so because the energy you come with and it's relentless and it's for at least three hours. You're just like, Rah! you know. When I was uh, captain of teams, even when I wasn't even a starter. Like there was, there was like I remember I was on a lacrosse team and I wasn't even on the start. I was a second string defenseman and I was the captain of the team. Yeah, I was always like that. I was always like. I could always get the people going when they needed to get going, even if I didn't have the, like the, the skill set, you know, yet. I had, I had the same thing going on. I was on a tennis team that I had no business of being on. We were state champions and I wasn't any part of the state championship, yeah. except for the fact that my coach had me on the team in the sense that he was like, he's like, you get everybody like going in the right direction. So I played number two doubles, you know, I got, I caught a couple good matches in there, but my team won the state championship, but he was right. Cause the juice that I would bring to the team was a totally different. They were also laid back. It's like a different skill. Like the skill yeah. isn't tennis. It's here. Like my brother's even crazier. I remember one time me and my brother with the, the Hollywood improv. And I used to, one reason why I would be, be successful in Hollywood wasn't from auditions. I got like nothing from auditions. It was always, who I'd know at the improv and how I'd always hold court. One time my brother, I look over, he's talking to Robin Williams, right? And he's like going, you can just see my brother being like, and Robin Williams is just staring <laughs> at me. I go over 
And Robbie, Robin Williams goes, man, you're fucking intense. <laughs> and I'm like, brother, Robin Williams is called you intense. Like he's the most intense guy in the world. Yeah. I just thought it was really funny. He was just like, man, you're intense. My, my brother was just like, I can't remember what he was saying to him, but he was just like the energy. Mm-hmm. I remember when I did Fallon, my brother was there and he brought Fallon a rock. He just goes, Hey man, I, I, I found this for you. I want you to have this. And it was just a rock from Central Park. And Jimmy's like, hey, no way, it's a rock. Oh, that's cool, man, it's a rock. And he just looks at me, he's like, rocks. And my brother's like, I saw that and I thought of you, I want you to have this rock. And Jimmy Fallon's like, yeah, man, rock. Like, I got a rock now. And I just was standing there like, what the fuck <laughs> is this? But you just have, like, my brother was just like, just pure energy. That's why it's like, I was always a Bravo. It's like, everyone thinks I'm an alpha, but like, I always, uh, I always had my brother who's more dominant than me. I was always the one who'd look the second born with a very powerful firstborn is never an alpha. It's always like, you know, I'd always look to my brother and it's like, uh, it's just so funny. And then LA was so cocked and feminized that everyone saw me as like Genghis Khan, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dude, I was my brother's like calm one. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> like I would be the one that, that would like calm him down. But yet in LA, I was seen as like this, like alpha, you know, it's hilarious. That's awesome. Cause the men in LA were just like, Oh my God, did you see the new hashtag? And I, it just like, wasn't like, I, I was just, it was so easy for me to dominate that whole fucking city. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was, I, it would be like, you, you would have famous people and I'm not trying to brag. Like for those people that, that don't know me, like I promise I'm not, making anything up or doing a spin or trying to make myself look a certain way. It's just a fact. Like there would be famous people at the improv at the bar, like super famous comedians. And then there'd be like tons of people just around me listening to me, like just cause I would be around people and we'd be having fun. We'd be mm-hmm. talking to girls. We would be joking. And then you'd have these like almost autistic famous comedians. Just like, I just had a movie come out, you know, and no one gave a fuck. Mm-hmm. And so that was something I noticed about LA is no credit mattered, no money mattered, none of it mattered. Like there would be times where uh, it's just like raw masculinity is all that it was like my entire currency in LA. Like there'd be, I remember one time I was doing a, a, a show, like just like a shitty show in a restaurant or something. And this one guy was like whipping off. Cause at the improv, I wouldn't really get heckled. Cause it was like more professional. But he was like talking shit and I go, and this but way before I met Amy or anything. So this isn't a controversial thing to say, but I was like, I was like, uh, Hey man, shut the fuck up. And, and, uh, and he was like, I'll say what I want. I go, listen, dude, it's going to sound crazy. I'm like, but I'm watching you and your girl and she's laughing at everything I'm saying. I go, if you don't stop heckling me, I'm going to fuck your girlfriend. Like I said that on stage <laughs> and he was like, and then afterwards she comes right up to me and she gives me her number and she's like text me in an hour and i looked at this guy i'm like motherfucker like you're nothing like you think you're wearing these like gucci you know you're driving a fucking audi and i'm like you don't understand women like you're being a bitch like Mm -hmm. like i'm doing well it's one thing if somebody's heckling and you're doing badly like if you're bombing and someone heckles you know take it or like Mm -hmm. figure out how to make it funny but if you're doing well and, and and some dude's girl's laughing and he's getting jealous, so he wants to be a little gamma troll. And I used to, and I was like, bro, if you don't shut up, I'm going to have sex with your girlfriend. 
Mm-hmm. And it, and I did, you know, I was just like, <laughs> like, yeah. And it was so, and she was like, so into it too. And I, I don't want to tell a story. It's kind of disrespectful to do that, but it's just a funny story. It's not like I even remember what this fucking person looked like, but it was just like, um, you know, the antidote of the story is not that I'm this like, I don't want to glorify hedonism at all because that's not what I'm trying to do. It's just that the status, the money, the the things that people think are important are not at all. Mm-hmm. Like if you see through the quote unquote matrix, however people want to call that, uh, there's no limits at all. And so I think people like me and you in this new era, it's a lot of fun because it's like, oh, then just immediately shift. And now you're in Idaho homesteader, you know, like when the fuck did that happen? Mm-hmm. Like a lot of these Hollywood people, they can't be mutable. It's not possible. They're like, this is where I get my, uh, my attention. This is how I get my money. This is where I get my praise, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, I am this, I'm defined by the laugh factory. I'm defined by this. And, and this new era is not that like this new era is like, bitch, tomorrow you may be homeless. And the next day you may be a King. Like you just got to roll, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's it's the unstable ego that can't disidentify. So when you're identified with status, like the status, and you're constantly seeking approval, and you've been injured a certain amount of times or whatever, the the capacity to actually react quickly and the capacity to actually be able to ride the ebb and flow gets greatly reduced. And like what you're talking about too, is like this whole thing, like you with your standup and just being the life of a party, just being a fun dude that wants to hang out. You had the capacity in the moment to read the room. Like you could read your room. And the, that is a skill. Like the majority of people have a really hard time with it. Like read the room in the sense like you have lots of women that could read the room and they're being so agreeable that they'll get passive aggressive and do whatever. But to be able to read the room, effectively read it, and then carry that male masculine projective energy, that's, that's, that's where it's at. The best guy I've ever seen in my life be able to do that is Vince Vaughn. You said that. Yeah, Vince Vaughn can read a room like it's it's like how people envision him is actually what it's like. Like you could drop, you could parachute him off into like an Inuit village, and in six hours he's like, "Baby, I'm telling you, the liver you're eating is fucking great. You got a fucking giant polar bear coming at me," and everyone's like, "Ho ho ho ho! He is our new chief." <laughs> Every single place I'd go with that dude, it's like, and it wasn't just because he's famous. Because there's some people that they'll get a lot of attention because they're famous. It's actually him. Mm-hmm. Like he actually can read any room, sell anything to anyone at any time. It's mm-hmm. it's fascinating to watch. Like that dude is, and he's one of those dudes that I actually stayed friends with. Like he's mutable. Like he's the type of guy that can adjust and adapt. He's like, you know, he's like, baby, I'm telling you how it's kind of fucked up. I'm buying farmland. And this is like 2008. <laughs> he's like, I'm buying fucking acreage, man. They, they pay me to grow the wheat. And I'm like, how do you see that? Like, he helped me a lot. See through. Shit. He's like, baby, our money's not backed by gold. It's all fucking bullshit. You know, because <laughs> like normally movie stars are the most rigid. Like, 
that's the irony of calling them liberals. They're the they will not change at all. Like they have their trough of attention and food and sexual perversion, mm-hmm. and they won't change no matter what. It's like I say what my master wants, I get the slop. I mean, I'm talking like you know, the Captain America and all those guys. Like those guys are the most easily predictable people in the world. Like they just are they're not free at all. And then yeah. you got Vaughn. You know, then you got some of these celebrities are free. And that's why, you know, yay. <laughs> it's like you can't put, you can't like predict what he's going to do. And that's why some of the biggest ones are, uh, they're called crazy because they, you just don't know what they're going to say. Like Jay-Z, you can predict what his opinion will be on every single topic. Kanye West, no, Mm-mm. you know, because he's mutable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have to say, Vince Vaughn and Swingers, Swingers came out right when I was like coming of age, like right yeah. when right when I was hitting my my I think I was twenty one or twenty two when it came out, and I was playing arena football, and I remember watching that and just loving Vince Vaughn because he was that dude that was like you know. He was had eyes on everyone. It was like like running the shit. It, uh, that that movie to me will always be like a a feel good movie because of when when I saw it in my life. Oh yeah, I I was he was always like my favorite actor. That's why this existence has been so fun because it's like my number one comedian as a kid was Adam Sandler. You know, obsessed. Mm-hmm. And then as a teenager, it was Vince Vaughn. Adam Sandler puts me in the first movie I'm ever met and Vince Vaughn makes me his headlining act for like a giant theater tour and puts me on a sitcom. It's like to be able, that's why this realm is so fucking interesting because it's like, it wasn't just famous people. It was like guys, the two guys, you know, the other one would have been Christopher Walken, right? I didn't get to meet him once, but I had no interaction with him, but like, the two main comedic influences in my life have both told me like, I'm really talented. And that's mm-hmm. like, the odds of that are like fucking zero, mm-hmm. you know, unless there's like something else going on with this realm, just a kid from Oswego, New York with no connections whatsoever in Los Angeles. Like that's not, I go there, I'm doing open mics at a bowling alley while people are bowling, mm-hmm. you know, I'm doing like open mics at a, at a place where the, the people, right after us they're fucking a bondage club so they're setting up as i'm trying to tell jokes mm-hmm. you know like i could write a whole book just on like uh comedy stories of like trying to make people laugh in the most bizarre situations and so uh yeah there's there's definitely some interesting shit happening in the ether you're i love the title of your old podcast why didn't they laugh why didn't they laugh yeah i always approached it as a craftsman i was like yeah, it wasn't I, honest to God. I know that I've been called arrogant by trolls and shit, but I'm just telling the stories. It's like I, my ego never drove me like ever. It was never like what, you know, it was it was always why didn't the joke work? It wasn't why. Why wasn't I loved and put in movies mm-hmm. for me? That was all a benefit. I never thought I was going to be in movies and shit like that. I was always like I just wanted to see what jokes worked. It was always like metaphysical for me. And so my podcast started years ago, uh, was analyzing, like I do six shows in a weekend. I'd show a joke. It would bomb. I'd show the bomb. I don't care. A lot of comedians are like, how can you show people that? I'm like, cause it's not about me. It's about the joke. I don't give a fuck. Everyone bombs. 
you know, comedians won't show behind the curtain. I remember being in LA, I'd watch, you know, Bill Burr and Louis CK and all these guys bomb and then slowly get their act and then tour with it. And everyone's like, wow, it's so great. I'm like, the most interesting part is the bombing. It's not even the show. It's like how to get to that point when the, the joke works is the whole fucking art. And so, um, you know, working through each joke, and I just, I do a whole, like my first episode was called uh, Caesar Salad. And it was just all about one joke about, uh, you know, Julius Caesar took over all Europe and they all, and he only got a salad named after. And I like that. The whole joke was just about that one thing and how to get it to work. And then you talk about General Sal and all these various food items that were named after these quote unquote great men. And you would see that the smallest changes would make it either work or not work. And I would show the dark side of comedy, like bombing, but then pulling yourself out of it and getting them to laugh. Like, how can you get women on your side as you're mocking them? Like I used to, like I'd have episodes called like uh, gender wars and shit like that, where it's like, it wasn't, it was, it was how to make a joke where I'm directly mocking women, how to get them on my side. And it'll show me fail, fail, fail kind of work, kind of work, like huge applause break. And it wasn't that many changes and it all had to do with philosophy. It all had to do with like how people view themselves, like what words trigger them. It was like, it's that, that's why I, I got kind of resentful at people like Joe Rogan who ruined standup. You know, mm -hmm. they, they just took this beautiful thing and they made it about like drugs and propaganda and power and, just everything disgusting, you know, and it, it stand-up comedy really is. It's like psychiatry meets feudalism meets war meets a jester meets music. It's like this insane art meets rhetoric meets dialectic meets like timing, like everything about it, presentation. It's like, and, and it just went to nothing. It went to like mainstream comedy now is like basically just intelligence agents giving you scripts. It's just like, and so that was a little hard. I mean, I realized I didn't need their approval at all. I can just do it on my platforms, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's brilliant. I, I, As a young man, I started to see my best friend and I, we were always going for the older girls in high school. And one day we were hanging out with these high school girls and we were like eighth grade and they were like in 10th grade. And uh, we just started running this little skit. Like I picked picked up this Cosmo magazine that one in one of the girls things. And I started to pretend like I was gay or I started talking like a really fruity voice, you know, and my best friend started to do it too. We started to do it back and forth. And before I knew it, like all the girls were swooning around us and they loved it. And then at, through high school, I started to notice, I was like, God, all the girls that I end up being with, I made them laugh. And then I had this yeah. thing. It was like, Ah, if I could make her laugh, I could make her climb. If if I could make her climax, let's say intellectually, I could make her climax. And so I had that re realization at a young age. It, it it's that's why I so appreciated listening to your breakdown of male female dynamics, and the way God, I don't know, I, I I'm blanking on most of your bits when it came down to the. Uh, how something is presented not what's being presented like exactly. when i started listening to that i i was just dying laughing because uh 
the real feminine women I've known in my life that you could literally tell them anything if you told it to them the right way. <laughs> but yeah, you yeah, could start with, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. Like I used to do tons of bad, like it's like now that I, I tried to crack the code of the Jews and that's why I got kicked off everything. But before I was cracking the code of women and it was fucking hilarious. Like even just bringing up orgasms. Like I used to have a bit about, trying to figure out how to make a girl girl have an orgasm was like figuring out a Nintendo code. And I just do the whole thing, like up, down, left, right, up, down, left, you know, and they're just dying. <laughs> and I'm like, for men, it's, it's up, down, repeat. You can yell at a dick. We'll come out of fear. You know, I'm like, like, and that, and that affects how we are. That's why women are more into long-term because it requires some skill to crack the code. And then I talked about how, like, when you do a brain scan on a, on a woman's, mind when she has an orgasm it's like her past the future the vow the notebook you know when a man it's one dot in his addiction center like ah you know and and so like to make that work like how, because my goal was always to have couples leave being like i no longer hate you like i understand yeah. you like you're not doing this because you don't like me you're doing this because we are operating in different realms like what we're talking about with you know, yes. the free will realm. I mean, it really does like guys like us have gotten past the, like the woman thing where it's like, okay, what's this whole fucking realm? You know, right. like the vibratory nature of female versus male was like fit 10, 15 years of great humor. And I do so much with the music and, you know, the, the music in a woman's head, you know, I did this whole bit where it's like, Oh, oh, where'd you eat? It's like, oh, I, I stopped by Wendy's. It's like, who the fuck is Wendy? You know? And then I do like in a man's head, it's like, hey, baby, how's your day? How was my day? Well, the fact you just asked me that means you didn't check my MySpace. That's how old this bit was. It was MySpace. Right? <laughs> I changed it to Facebook. I was like, you didn't check my Facebook account. I'm like, oh, sorry, baby. Uh, you're so hot. I want to fuck you so bad. Oh, you just want to fuck me. You just want to fuck me. No, I don't want to fuck you. Oh, you don't want to fuck me anymore. You know what I'm talking about? Like, and then it just, you just keep like, so then the bitch keeps going until it's like, you know, it's just, just tell me what to say and I'll say it. And it's like this massive applause break. Cause it's like, yes, yes, that's it. Yes, that's my whole fucking life. And then I, I was like, man, I'm, wait till I crack the fucking code on the Jews. And that's like, you're no longer allowed to bank. You're no longer allowed to be on Facebook. You're not. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I really, I do think I figured out the Jews though. Tell me. They just want to, you know, like the Ira character is the Jews. It's perfect. It's, it's like, so perfect. Because there's this, it's not just nefarious. Like you either have this, a lot of society, it's either they're the permanent victims. How dare you? They've been through so much. They're just trying to sell their pornography, you know, like nonsense. And then you have the side that's like everything bad in the world is the Jews. You know, neither is actually true. If you understand, if you check out, if any of your audience wants to check out my stand-up, it's Huge Pianist on uh, Amazon Prime. I have some specials on there and uh, Feed the Bear. But uh, I'd had Comedy Central specials, but I don't know where those are now. I think I got banned or something. Mm -hmm. But um, the, the Ira character is literally the archetype of that grabber Jewish guy. And it's not just, it's not because he's trying to hurt you. He's in a... The psychology, it's like, I'm just trying to be a better boy. You know, like the psychology of Ira, like I nail those fuckers. Mm -hmm. And the irony is, is like 
some of them feel that euphoric release of being understood. And that's why I have a lot of good Jewish listeners and like supporters, but some are so mad that I know, you know, mm-hmm. like I fucking know what motivates them. Are you trying to hurt me? You know, it's yeah. like, they're always trying to impress their mom who will never be impressed, uh, never be impressed. Their dad makes a lot of money, but he's always jerking off in his fucking office. And it's like, and never taught little Ira. And then, and they're, and they're operating from a state of trauma and fear. They've been shown all these movies that, you know, if any aspect of society becomes ordered, they're going to be turned into sober lampshades or some shit. So they're, they're always like in retreat, but they're always like trying to like fuck people over. Cause in their, in their culture, chutzpah is good, which means like you have the ability of finding an angle and, and, and like tricking. And that's why in their world, that's okay. Cause they're like, wow, that's a really good chutzpah move. Like you fucking, you sold, you know, like uh, Wedding Crashers is pure chutzpah. Mm-hmm. Like that movie might as well be starring. And, and I was just talking about how great Vince Vaughn is. It might as well be called like Jews. You know, where it's like the best place to get a girl is at a fucking wake, you know, mm-hmm. because it's an angle, you know. And so, and then there's a whole bunch of people that fucking think chutzpah is like evil. And so that communication problem is like, what are you talking about? I fucking got an insurance policy and my place burned down and I'm a really smart boy. And other people are like, no, you should be in jail. And then the Jew's like, oh no, they're trying to hurt me. And then the Jew tries to silence them. And then that actually is what makes everyone hates the Jews. It's like this cycle where like, it's the fear within the Jews that starts the self-fulfilling prophecy over and over. It's like this, that's why I'm encouraging people not to blame Jews because it's such an obvious cycle. So they get a bunch of power because they trick people like unsuspecting, honest people. No offense, Jews, but that's what happened. It's like, well, if we just, I'm, I'm, I give my cousin a really good deal, you know? And so a lot of people are completely unaware that that's even happening. They're like, you know, I would never even think that anyone would do that. Why would anyone fucking put magnets in their pants? Like you just don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, people start realizing it and they're not even that mad. They're just like, Oh, Oh, chutzpah, okay. And then the Jews get so defensive because you're figuring it out that they start acting tyrannical, which <laughs> actually pisses off the local population. And then they kick you out of another country. And that's, that's the fucking cycle over and over and over. And so as the Jews, they're not a conglomerate. There's a lot of Jews that have nothing to do with this, but like the power Jews, like as they start realizing that people are seeing it, they start like being more and more insane. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes people react. And so I know I'm right about that. People can pretend I'm not, but that's literally what happens. What and it's you- not just Jews. There was a time when it was the Catholics. It's like, it, it's just, they hide in institutions. It's just like this wizard grabbly thing. What are you where, say? where do you think the, the mother this demeaning mother archetype comes from like if you were to trace like an origin story because i have i have friends that are are super jewish and they have that mother archetype they literally have the mother that is like cannot be pleased is exactly as you describe it and i had that like growing up in when I was in middle school and I went to a Jewish prep school, like I was that happy goy that would come over with all heart and like athletic yeah, and good looking yeah. and like 
they looked at me like I was a literal alien, but the mothers were always just like, they were just so cold, like just cold fish, man. Yeah. And, and it was such a different thing than going over to a Goy household where, you know, there might've been some alcoholics and some blood stains on the carpet and stuff, but people were at least hugging and, <laughs> and like totally. talking, but like these, uh, I had so many friends. I went to so many bar and bat mitzvahs that it was just like these mothers, like I had no, I like, I wonder what the origin of that is. I don't know. Cause Koreans have a similar thing. They're called tiger moms. And so I, I'd, I'd like to see what they have in common. I mean, I could have a lot of theories. I mean, uh, you know, clipping the dicks and, you know, the get them to read a language backwards with their, with their voices cracking. Like, there's a lot of humiliation in a lot of the Jewish traditions where it's like, I don't know, man, it could, there could be a lot of molestation happening. I don't know, but they definitely have that tyrannical mother. So the mother, in the Jewish home, not all, but a lot, they shower the boys with special boy stuff. Like, you know, you're the specialist boy. If anyone's mad at you, it's it's because they're jealous of you. You're just so damn handsome, you know? And then also you're never gonna be good enough. You know, you're a disappointment, but at the same time, you're so it's this like really traumatic thing that they have. And that's what makes a lot of these Jewish men behave so criminally. Like, so like white collar criminally is because like they, they've been traumatized by their moms. Like it's fucking really abusive what they do. It's like, no, they're the best perfect boy in the world and everyone's jealous of them and they're so handsome, but yet they're always a disappointment. Mm -hmm. And I've seen that with like so many fucking families and I've seen them on their deathbeds, these mothers just ranting about how their life was meaningless and they never got the credit they deserved. It's like, really? I mean, my grandmother had a bit of that in her where it's just some really dark shit. You know, it's just no gratitude at all, like unsatisfiable human beings. And that's why they're called nouveau rich because I don't see their, their uh, wealth lasting. You know, some, some people say that it's always been the Jews and all this stuff. I don't think so, man. It's like, I think three generations ago, they were in covered wagons in fucking Russia. And somehow they got this like massive advantage with, you know, and then it's just not going well for them because they're, it's, it's just based on the reason chutzpah is, is frowned upon is because it's honorless and it's untrustworthy. It's like, it's like what you described in India, you know, Adam Sandler thinks it's hilarious, which I, I like Adam Sandler as a person, you know? But like in those in those movies, like um, don't mess with the Zohan, like they openly will show how Jews will pretend it's always a sale, like mm -hmm. going out to business today, buddy, buddy, we're going out to business. I sell you a better Jew. And but you can't have a society like that. It's got, oh, one time I was uh, giving away free airline tickets for Southwest. I was doing a Southwest commercial in Las Vegas. And I was doing sketches on the street, flow state. I've always been flow state. Like anybody that wanted a flow state comedian, they're like, Volkswagen, Smirnoff Ice, like I used to get a ton of them. They'd be like, hire Owen, he'll come up with fucking Joe. He'll, you could literally have him talk to a lion. You know, so I'm like on, I'm in Las, Las Vegas and I'm just on the street. I'm just trying to get people to tell me a joke. And if they do, I give them a free fucking airplane ticket, no strings attached. And I have like hundreds of them. Mm -hmm. and so I'm, uh, 
And normally I can get people to open up, you know, but in Vegas, nobody did. Like I'd go up to people and be like, yo, tell me a joke on camera and I'll give you an airplane ticket. And they literally would walk by me like, I'm not going to buy your whores, you know, because I was in a low trust city. So mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit, this city is built on crime. It started by Bugsy Siegel and, and Cohen and all the Jews, you know, no offense, Jews, but literally. So Las Vegas is this like oasis of crime. And so what is the result? No trust, no wealth, no coherence. Mm -hmm. I couldn't give away tickets because everybody on the streets handing out like um, prostitution cards. And everyone's like, I don't want your horse. And so when you get to that point of street hustling where your whole society is a street hustle, whether it's the fucking NASDAQ or like YouTube or anything, it's like, there's no rules. It's mm -hmm. mafia shit. Oh, you know, it, like the YouTube and all these social media places are like, it's like how the mobsters talk. Like, it's like, oh, well, we wouldn't want something to happen to your channel now. If, well, what are the rules? We'll tell you when you when we see what you do. It's like, oh, so there's no rules? Like, there's, you guys are literally just like criminals, mm -hmm. you know? And that's really how they are. Like, PayPal's like, if we don't like what you say, we'll, we'll take 2,500. They literally have that in their terms now. PayPal says if they don't like your speech, if you act racist, which can mean anything, it can mean the entire country of Israel, is racist. It's like, you know, look at how they treat the Arabs and the Palestinians. So it's like, so if someone says anything they deem is offensive, they will take 2,500 bucks out of your account and kick you off PayPal. So, and, and, they, and they wonder how it's not gonna last. It's like, you can't have a society like that. It'll fall apart. Well, let, let, this brings me into uh, what I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about because yesterday's stream was awesome where you got into the end of the petrodollar and it's yeah. mainly because of this low trust, you know, the, the, the grabblers that, you know, let's just call them the, the pyramid grabblers that have used the, the corporation United States as their proxy warriors around the world. Um, yeah. That, that now that gravel has kind of met, met its end. Can you describe what you were talking about yesterday? Oh, yeah. Well, I give a, a quick history of money because so much of history is just the history of money. Mm -hmm. And so 1913 Federal Reserve, you know, then Brecken Woods, uh, the world is on the American, the, the, um, the United States dollar becomes the world reserve currency. And a lot of times people hear that and they've never been explained what that means. That means that in France, like France's francs were backed by dollars, not gold because we swore we had the gold. After World War II, industries destroyed in Europe. We're the last man standing. We get all the gold, unbelievable amounts of gold. So our, um, even though the Federal Reserve Act has been passed and there's now a monopoly, a private institution, but we are, the American dollar is backed by gold and we're super trustworthy. You know, everyone trusts Americans. So by 1960s, De Gaulle in France was like, yeah, we're going to, because, okay, so the franc is backed by the dollar. So they have a bunch of dollars in reserve and the dollar theoretically is backed by gold. And so De Gaulle's like, yeah, we'll take our gold now. And America's like, no. And then the whole world, there's like this shutter. This is what happened. It was like Vietnam and all this shit, petrodollar. And so the, so we have like tons of countries gold. We, we claim that we have everybody's gold after World War II, and at any time they can get it. We got it, no problem. And, th and th it was gone. They, we, uh, the American banking cartel, the Federal Reserve, 
was issuing dollars without any backing. And so if someone wants an easy understanding of that, it's like a claim check on a coat. You bring your coat, you give them the coat, they give you a claim check. You have a check. And then when you, so it's an IOU of one coat is exactly what dollars are. It was always gold. And so you go back and you say, here's my claim check. Give me my coat. And they give you the coat. What the grabbers started doing is they like for every coat, they'd print 200 tickets and they'd just be like coat, coat, coat. And so that was securitizing of all these coats that didn't exist. So everybody's like, oh, there's 200 coats. No, there's one coat. And they printed 200 claim checks. That's that's what started happening with the dollar. And so the, the rest of the world wanted their gold and we're like, no, there isn't any fucking gold. Fuck you. We already have bases all over the world. So it became like a mafia. And so what backed what backed our dollar is something called the petrodollar, which was uh, schemed up by Henry Kissinger, who went to Saudi Arabia, the House of Saud, the royal family that was being attacked by a lot of Muslims because the, the House of Saud is very sketchy. And Henry Kissinger said, we will protect you and you will be you will run Saudi Arabia in exchange that all your oil has to be sold in dollars. That would create a demand for our dollars. A dollar is a product like a cell phone. You know, if if you tell a government, like everybody who works for your government has to use one of these, you can have a contract. And okay, so all the dollars, everybody that wants oil, which is the number one commodity in the world has to use dollars. So Indonesia wants to buy oil, dollars. Japan wants to buy oil, dollars. So that's what's going to back our currency. That's the only thing that backed our currency. That's why we had hyperinflation in the 70s. All these, um, you know, deindustrialization de de of America, the destruction of the dollar slowly. But but uh, so anyway, two weeks ago, Saudi Arabia said, we're going to sell oil in whatever the fuck we want because America now cannot beat Russia. It's becoming very obvious the info war does not beat artillery. You know, it doesn't, you know, that the, the spinsters, the, the dreidel twisters, they, they, they think that spin, you know, that that will work long-term and it doesn't. And so now that Russia wants to sell their oil in non-dollars and India and China and all these places, the rest of the world starting to be like, you know what? Fuck you. United States, the United States is like, well, we're gonna we're gonna save you. We're gonna give you democracy because you know that way too many way too many hands in the cookie jar with Iraq, Afghanistan. You know the the American empire never admits it's an empire. It's why it's called the emperor of, empire of lies. So we didn't destroy Germany for its industrial capacity. We we're saving the Jews. We didn't kill all these Vietnamese with fucking Agent Orange. We were stopping the spread of communism. It's like weapons of mass destruction, nine eleven stopping terrorism putin is hitler it's all the same fucking story and so you all the way back to like the revenge of the main and gulf of tonkin and all these false flags and that's a testament to american morality because americans don't want to be an empire we don't want to just take someone's shit and kill them it has to be sold to us that we're the good guys and it's becoming glaringly obvious that the american empire is not the good guys and that our dollar is backed by nothing and so this is a very mutable time because now the dollar, if people can buy and sell oil without the dollar, well, don't get me wrong. There's still tons of demand for dollars, tons of contracts and dollars. It's not about to crash. It's slow, but it's a major shift that the American, that the Wolfowitz doctrine and the American hegemony over the world is absolutely ending. 
which I like because I think it's been morally very bad for America. It's like the global homo stuff, the, you know, cutting off eight-year-olds dicks and vaccines and all this shit. It's all from this lie, this major lie. It's about men not working for their products. It's like, you know, just being shoved all this Chinese shit and all this free money has not been good for Americans. Mm -hmm. And so that's pretty much what's happening now. And it'll never be reported in the news. And it's kind of like what you're talking about earlier. Like, if you don't have context as to what you're looking at, you don't know why things are happening. So you're going to be seeing things happening. And if you don't understand currency or the petrodollar or the world reserve currency or what war actually is, you know, one of my listeners who's a German banker hypothesized that the vaccine was making a claim on your actual body because they're out of securitizing assets. Yeah. Like, and, and that's so true. Like when you even think about war, it's all about, it's all about the banks. It's like collateral damage. Mm -hmm. when they, that's a war term liquidation. Like they're liquidating assets and those assets are fucking living men and women and children. Mm -hmm. It's that cold. And so that's what Satan is like. That's, that's like the representation of Satan in this world. It's like, you know, um, like what you were talking about earlier with the, with the, was it the Jupiter or one of those guys eating their children? Saturn. It's like, you, you, yeah, Saturn, you eat the future for your own benefit. Now that's what the fiat system is. It's all debt. It's all based on nothing but illusion. And that's why I'm not into Bitcoin because Bitcoin is the next level of illusion. You know, and I see why people like it. Oh, decentralized. No, it's based on nothing. Like it, it's like based on a, a like a lie on a lie on a lie. Like at least the dollar is based on our ability to murder people. That sounds cold, but that's what it is. Every other currency is, unless it's gold, silver, you know, trust, labor, wheat, but that can go bad. That's why gold and silver are the best currencies because uh, granted you can always get more out of the ground, but it requires labor. At least it like has it, you know, like when you look at Steven Crowder getting $50 million from the Daily Wire, like they just make up these numbers. They're like, when I was suing Patreon and I had him on the ropes, um, they got an infusion of like $150 million from a hedge fund. Mm -hmm. So, so it, you can't do that when labor is required to get your money. They can just make up money now. They're like, fractional reserve banking means that they don't have to back it with anything at all. So they can say, like, if you get a loan on a house, you buy a million dollar house to give you an $800,000 loan, that money didn't exist before you got that loan. They just invented it. Mm -hmm. So when they do that, it, it inflates the currency and it makes every other dollar less, uh, it, it lowers the buying power of every other dollar. And that's the ultimate tax on the poor. And so, uh, yeah, that's where we're at. So this is kind of cool. So I was saying that the last earth sign in the previous age was Taurus, which is Epicurus. It's the, it could be, it can be gluttonous. Let's say the new earth sign is Virgo. And Virgo is much more about truth and is, a, and, and is a moderate is not, is not a hedonist. Good. You know, Tor the Taurian energy can be the most hedonistic energy, but the the Virgo Earth energy is is the mother. It's the virgin womb. It's 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 about it's about healing. It's about it's about truth. So well, I just had a crazy thought. What if Trump? Because he was always shown as like the bull, like the orange faced 
bull. What if he was the sacrifice like out of the bull? That's perfect. Yeah, because he because he represented the hedonism of the eighties and yeah, you know, he was like the bull. He was like the devil. Like, and I'm not like you know, I I'm not political at all. Biden's a pedophile who fucking has dementia. I'm not triggered by Trump. But he does represent like that energy at its darkest level where it's like Miss America, debt, billions, casinos, gambling, mm-hmm. orange face, doesn't pay people, grabs pussies, you know, mm-hmm. that. And he was represented as the bull, mm-hmm. you know, and then the bull got like got like uh, publicly executed pretty much. Yeah, that's a great, great weave right there. Yeah, that's, that's dead on. So this is kind of interesting where I, now I get to ask you this question. <laughs> so with this more mutable age, with the aspect of, let's say, the currencies in flux, and we've already established in this conversation that truth or being honest is probably the best currency that there is. Yeah. From an asset, from an asset perspective, from like a physical, tangible asset perspective, um, how how do you see things kind of playing out? I don't know because there's so much like uh, there's so much magic happening. Like Bitcoin could go to like two hundred thousand again. I have no idea. The reason I'm the reason I'm I'm vocalizing being against Bitcoin because I don't think any technology can be bad. It's all the intention, but because overall it's gambling hidden as investing. Everybody buying and selling Bitcoin acts like a fucking gambling addict, and no one's using it as currency. So I feel like it's a major energy and and money suck, and people should watch out for that because right now it's based on greed. Everyone's like it could go to sixty thousand. I'm like, do you use it for anything? No, you're gambling. Yeah, you can also put your money on 33 and and win a bunch of money. It's like, you know, but oh, so assets, I would say um, uh, means of production. I'm becoming a commie. (laughs) I'm like owning the means. I'm not actually becoming a commie, but like the whole Marxist idea of the means of production Mm -hmm. is where all the money is or it's where all the wealth is. Like owning the means of like, if you have a cow that can make you milk and you have a field that can grow you grass, you, you, you own the means of producing milk. And so if you have like um, chickens that can grow you eggs and food scraps, you know, like the means of production is everything, whether or not that's a, a carpenter has, you know, his tool set and access mm-hmm. to wood. you have the means of production. If you have uh, whatever your thing is, you know, if you're a builder, you have the means of production with your skill set, your hands, stuff like that, like an actual asset. Oh, man, I don't know. I mean, I could see them dropping the price of gold and silver just to like humiliate all the savers and then it'll shoot up again. You know, I don't know. I Short term, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. But I like gold and silver because there's always a demand for it. And it's like the original biblical uh money but at the same time it's it doesn't i i like a a gold coin gets you the same now as it did in the roman empire it's not going to like grow what and that's the point of money money's not supposed to grow like you're not supposed to make money on money you can't make something that is sterile fertile it's the same with sodomy sodomy and usury are the same sin it's like 
you take that which is sterile and you pretend it's fertile. You take that which is fertile and you make it sterile. So it's like gold and silver will never, I don't think it'll ever make anyone money. It just is money. Mm -hmm. So it's not like a real investment. Investment is like, um, like a business investment would be a means of producing something without, you know, and the less debt, the better, and the more community-based and locally-based, the better. That's mm -hmm. my, that's my opinion on that. But other than that, stocks, any of that shit, I have no idea. Because to me, it's like so much bad info in, bad info out. I can't make accurate predictions when there's so many variables I can't, I can't understand, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I think, I think what I want to know with what you were bringing up earlier is with the house Assad was the one that was the major distributor of oil around the world. Are they still the biggest producer of oil or are other Russia is up there too. Like that's why a lot of people, I don't think get how geopolitics work where they're like, God damn Biden won't let us drill in Wyoming. I'm like, yeah, because the entire dollar rests on Saudi Arabia. You mm -hmm. know, some people don't get that. They don't see the big picture and that's fine. I didn't either. But like, so you have to, prevent people from having alternative energy or drilling outside of the areas that you have your contracts in or else your dollar would collapse. Like imagine if Wyoming, cause there's like seas of oil everywhere. There's like no mm. scarcity of anything, probably including gold, you know, but, um, but uh, if, if you can just drill your own oil, then Saudi Arabia doesn't sell its oil under the deal that it has to be in dollars, creating this false demand of dollars. Like that's why all these people do it, it has nothing to do. Like a president is like a manager at Best Buy, you know, mm -hmm. it's like, can I help you? You know, like the, the president of the United States has very, very little personal power. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like thinking that you become a manager at Best Buy and you can turn it into a grocery store. It's like, no, this is a functioning fucking machine. And the dot and it's and it's all about banking. It's all about assets, securities, claims, currency, leverage, blood, war, you know. Mm -hmm. And like the the executive class is just a management class. They don't have any actual power. That's why when people are like, Oh, I'm gonna run for president and change shit. I'm like, you want to change something, have a kid and don't traumatize them. Yeah. You know, like the president yeah. can't do a fucking thing. I mean that's why they hated Trump kind. And I think there was a genuine resistance to Trump is because he was kind of showing what a, pre so interesting what we're talking about. He was revealing the nature of a president. Mm -hmm. Like at one point he tweeted, this is no way to run a country as the president. Right. Like he, <laughs> like he showed the world that they don't, that the, the president, because the whole illusion of the last age was, you know, oh, they killed Kennedy because he was going to go back on the gold silver standard. No, no. They don't do anything. Donald Trump, the reason he traumatized so many people, I know I just talked a little shit about him, but the good thing about him, how he was an aspect of nature, is he showed everyone what a president has always been, mm -hmm. which is just a dude who can't do anything and is just scapegoated and has to like pretend he's doing shit, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the one thing that he took credit for the most is going to be Vaccine. Really? Yeah. That karma is going to be pretty serious for him, man. That guy's so, I mean, he's just the, the bull that just got slaughtered. Yeah. Yeah. He just pulled it. Dude. It really is astrological. There's no, cause I know people 
one degree of separation away from like George Soros and all those guys. And they don't know shit, man. I mean, they're like operating within their paradigms. Like they, they think they're doing their thing, but they're not aware of these shifts mm -hmm. like that. Like this, the sacrifice of the bull and the switch to this new era, I don't think they're aware of at all. No, no, but I think the highest Magi actually, they do know. But I don't think we know who they are, though. We do not. Yeah, we do not. I don't not. think we know their names. Like, it's not like Rothschild or Rothschild. No. no, all those are literal, just, I'm not saying that they don't, that they don't, that they're real in the sense that they exist, but the players, the, the, the ones, the one thing I've witnessed in my life, the people that have real power, they, they're not nouveau riche. No. They, they don't they they know not to have their head go above all the other heads in fact they are they're they're from a military perspective they're operators yeah and with an operator you don't you have no clue that they're even there yeah and also because i think they've been through so many of these cycles that if you run out in front of the herd and you're like, I'm rich, I'm the man, like you, you, those guys get killed a lot. Yeah. They get wiped out, you know? And so if you're really from one of these old knowledgeable lines, like, you know how to survive shifts, mm -hmm. you know, because the people want the head of the queen or the head of the king or the head of, uh, you know, they're, the they're literally called figureheads. I mean, yeah, yeah, totally. And I think Rothschild means like rage shield. It's like the, the red shield of rage where it's like, if people want to flip the tables, kill those guys. Right. Oh, Cause everyone thinks that's the top of the pyramid. Like one of the ultimate illusions is, you know, that those people are in control. And it's like, I think that there's so many traps set up to not get to where people actually are making, you know, making actual moves. And that's the yeah. thing about this, this realm is all of that is if you're still in externalizing authority, the second, yeah, it, the, the second you no longer externalize authority, you're now an operator. You now are a creditor. Yeah. And now you're, you're dealing in the, in the realm of wealth, real wealth, and your frequency changes to that wealth vibration and then the relativity of that the sympathetic resonance of that actually draws that you know it changes the position it changes the location it's yeah. very it's it's an absolutely wonderful thing to watch because i i have to say it was a shock to me in my young life when i heard the the statement that there are no innocent victims and yeah it was super shocking to me because I was in the new age and I was in my early twenties and I, I didn't want to believe it. But what the person was trying to say was that your position in life, even if you are being victimized, there's an aspect of your consciousness that needs that to, to, to grow, to get better. And let's say, and then where, what he was really trying to say to the, to, to the people I was around was, there's a part of you that really likes being a victim. There's a part of you that really identifies the majority of your mental energy goes to identifying as a victim and externalizing authority. 
Yeah, that's why one of my moves to uh, help people not perceive themselves as victims to the Jews is uh, I started referring to them as my Jews, where I'm like, I love my Jews. My Jews work hard for me. Yeah. And it's like, so you take ownership where it's like, because there's truth in it. It's not, it's not even like I'm just making that up. It's true. I'm like, I don't want anyone hurting my Jews. Mm-hmm. It's like, now they're mine. Like they're part of my stable. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like, you know, they do all my accounting. They do this. They're like, you know, my Jews, they, they can be, a, you know, they can be a pain in the ass, but they're mine. Mm-hmm. And people, it blows their mind. It's like, oh, wait a minute. We don't have to feel like we're the goyim, like we're the cattle and they're just always trying to kill us. No, dude. Mm-hmm. Like not at all, you know, because it's like if you are an internalized victim, you will seek an abuser. Exactly. And one will, and one will present themselves. It's like, it's kind of like if you are promiscuous and that's the 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 vibration you're in, you literally, people will just come out of the shadows to like have sex with you. Like, it's really weird. And then if you're not in that zone, it's not like that at all. Like I never have inappropriate conversations. Mm-hmm. Like it never, people don't even test that with me now where it's like, mm-hmm. because I'm so not in that realm at all. Like back in the day, it was like, it was like, I don't know. There's like an energy you put out where you're like, I'm open for business and people will just, they will just come out. And then if you're not, you're not. It's the same with like, the victim consciousness is so true. You know, it's like, it's like, if you perceive yourself as a victim, someone will volunteer for that position because mm-hmm. other people want to be the abuser and they're looking for a victim, mm-hmm. you know? And so you guys will be fine. And it's so fucking true. That's, that's why the Andrew Tate thing was so interesting for me. Cause he turned out to be so evil in my opinion. But some of the stuff he said early on was so true that got him in so much trouble was he was like, uh, he said, depression is your fault. And he got, he was like destroyed on Twitter for that. And I had his back on that. And then another thing he said is victims of sexual assault have to accept some responsibility Mm -hmm. because the thing about that is that's the way out. Like I've known people that have been raped and abused. I've known people that have been victimized. If you, if they identify as a victim, they're, they're never going to get out. They have to be like, I learned something. I had something to do with that because you're, you're now take the irony about how fucked up the whole views of rape is, is that takes your power back. It's like, oh, I had something to do with that. Mm-hmm. So now, now you have power again to not be raped, you know, and versus like, if you like the, 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 the amount of PTSD and in infantry is way higher than operators, special operators like uh, Navy SEALs don't really get a ton of PTSD. They get some, but nothing like infantry because infantry is always in a state of passivity where bombs are dropping boom, and they so things are happening to them. The Navy SEAL will be exposed to more horror, but they're operating. Mm-hmm. And so if you're making action, you're way less likely to hold trauma than if than if you are in a passive position, just having things being done to you, waiting to fucking die, you know? And it's like that with everything with victim consciousness, including sexual assault, unfortunately, but it's true. Where it's like, if you take the active role and say, okay, I had something to do with that. I won't do that again. I I don't want to be a victim. I, that is a much, much, because the 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 rates of, raped women being raped multiple times is astronomically high. Mm-hmm. And that's because of their self-perception. It's mm-hmm. not because of, you know, it's like 
if a woman views themselves as a sexual victim, that will bring out uh, rapists. It they yeah. smell it. Definitely, you know, and it's so fucking true. It's all about free will and choice. It's. It, I love this realm. I. I, 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 I know. I'm a little worried. I'm not worried. I, I think that. I fucking. I'm like. I'm coming back. <laughs> you know, all these truthers are like, oh, I'm gonna make the right decision, and I'm gonna be in the in the void. And I'm gonna start creating, and I'll merge with God. I'm like, dude, I'm fucking heading. I, I'm just if if reincarnation is real, I'm fucking coming back to crush. Yes. Like, and I started seeing all those images that look like me throughout the centuries. And I'm like, dude, am I just that spirit that just loves it here? <laughs> yes. Yes, you are. No, I've just been here for like thousands of years. Yes. Just like rushing. <laughs> Absolutely. It feels I, I, that way. It's sure, like, that's the funniest part is like, you know, I loosely consider myself Christian, even though theologically it appears like I'm almost more Muslim because I'm like, I don't, I don't say G I say like, cause I, I don't understand the Trinity and I fucking think Paul was full of shit, you know, but, um, but the biggest divergence I have with Christianity that no one ever even addresses people are like, Oh, how dare you? You don't think Jesus is God in the flesh. I'm like, I, I kind of believe in reincarnation, which is, is pretty antithetical to Christian, uh, you know, doctrine. But I feel like there's a rebirth here. I just feel that way. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes I fucking look at a chicken I just killed and I'm like, next round, he might be chopping my fucking head off. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I really love Rudolf Steiner. His, me too. Yeah, me too. his writings, because like his whole Christian mysticism, I vibe much more with than just like what you would just call Christian dogma. And yeah, I'm not, I'm not dogma. I, I just can't, I'm like repulsed by it, which is weird. Cause I like, I like good Christians. Like I love these people. I love that they held the line with homeschooling and they're like so many of the things that I, so many of the problems and mistakes I made, they didn't mistake. They didn't do. And for that, they deserve a lot of credit, but I'm just not designed to not dream and think and change my mind stuff. Like I think Mohammed was the first Abrahamic guy to create a valid government based on the laws of Abraham. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why Christians don't admit that. They're like, oh, how dare you? He was a false prophet. I'm like, dude, Mecca and Medina is legendary. You know, it's like, how do people not address that? Mm -hmm. You know, he fucking created the first government functioning under the laws that Jesus professed. And I just think that's impressive, regardless of uh, any uh, religion. I just think that uh, that's very cool. And there's just like this major, I think so much Zionism has been injected into our society that like no, very few people can admit that. Because you can talk about Buddhism and no one gives a fuck. Oh, I'm Buddhist now. I just did a retreat and sat in the woods. Everyone's like, oh, great. If you're like, isn't it cool how Muhammad built that great government? And everybody's mm -hmm. like, oh, you're going to hell. I'm like, okay, dude. Thomas Jefferson rewrote the Bible without Paul in it. Mm -hmm. And he had a Quran in his uh, throne or in his uh, temple room. Like mm -hmm. he obviously was inspired by Sharia law. Like, I mean, I don't know. I'm rambling. It's getting late. I'm uh, <laughs> well, I'm just, I hit that gravy limit. Now I'm talking about Mohammed. <laughs> well, Big Bear, why don't you uh, sign off and tell everybody where they can find you? 
Okay, I'm at uh, unauthorized.tv as my entire library. It's five bucks a month. But you can check me out for free at rumble, bitshoot.com slash Owen Benjamin. Telegram, which is Owen Benjamin Comedy. Owen Benjamin is a, on Telegram, is an Indian trying to sell you Bitcoin. I'm not kidding. He's always like, hello, fellow bears. Who wants to try my great new Bitcoin? It's fucking insane. It's probably one reason why I'm starting to really hate Indians and Bitcoin. It's like Owen Benjamin on Telegram is an Indian Bitcoin salesman. That's and he, has, he puts a bear in his fucking name and he uses my picture. Mm-hmm. He's like, hello, Thunder Bears. Who wants to check out my seminar? It's, and I can't get rid of him. It's crazy. Uh, if you want to join my social media app, it's app.bertariatimes.com. If you want to check out our documentaries, it's uh, buildingbertari.com. If you want to check out the land we're getting in the Ozarks, it's uh, bertariacampgrounds.com. We're doing all kinds of shit. Yeah, my man, that's awesome. I, I I want to schedule as many times to talk to you as possible because I just like hanging out with you. So, <laughs> Same, bro. But if it's evening, I just start rambling. It's okay. I, I feel you, my man. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, we're going to post this next Friday. I'll send it to you. Sweet. All right, peace. All right, have a good night. I hope you enjoyed the BioCharisma podcast with Owen Benjamin. Uh, this upcoming week i just gotta share with you guys all the fun happenings Uh, my project in costa rica we've been approved to build a a really cool dome project and then we have a couple dome projects coming up in missouri and what's fun about all these dome projects is that uh, one of my upcoming guests on the biocharisma podcast tanya harris she's gonna come and measure the base resonant frequency of these domes at least two different models of the domes And the whole goal that we're trying to get to is we're trying to get to a point where we can build resonant structures. And these resonant structures being a harmonic of our body, uh, something that will actually help us stay healthy and help us stay tuned. So this upcoming week, I'm gonna be talking with Tanya. In fact, I'm talking with her tomorrow. And then I am also interviewing Dr. Narco Longo. And he's a fellow Florida boy we're gonna I'm gonna share some old war stories and different things that I noticed growing up there and living there for I lived in Florida close to close to 25 years of my life so uh, hopefully what I've witnessed helps his research I'm really excited about this line of the Phoenicians and the new world being the old world so I hope you enjoyed the podcast please support us at Topher HQ Dot com that's t o p h e r h q dot com and uh, there's a donate button there everything's appreciated uh, my wife and I we're gonna be uh, throwing everything that we have into our big experimental home structure <laughs> but we got a lot of building to do before that so uh, whatever you can contribute I appreciate and um, whatever you can throw us to help us with this project with uh, measuring the resonant frequencies of the structures. What's really neat too about this is that we're going to experiment with different materials. So I think that's why they're bringing me in into the project. So it's, it's fun stuff. Thank you for your eyes. If you like what I'm doing, share it far and wide. Uh, that really helps the podcast and uh, we'll see you next week.